Hello and welcome to Net That Hall, baby. Just messing with you all with the new intro. But um, yeah, we're here for the Game Week 12 matchup show. I'm, of course, FPL Nima, joined by my co-host, Gabriel, at FPL Lens on Twitter. Thank you, everyone in the chat. Sorry, we're a few minutes late going live. We hope to get you out of here in time for the 8 o'clock Champions League kickoffs. So without further ado, I think we're going to go straight into it so that we can kind of keep time. Today, though, one thing I just want to draw attention for podcasts, obviously listeners who can't see this, is I've gone ahead and put Bruno Fernandes on the thumbnail today just to see Gabe's reaction. And obviously, you know, it, it feels like a bit of an offensive thing to do, but Man United are at Old Trafford against Luton, who, although they've been a bit sturdy at home, I don't know about Luton away. And Bruno did just get his haul, so maybe it's recency bias, but... I didn't want to keep repeating the same people as each week. So I was like, Bruno's been missing out. United have been getting slandered. Let's put him on the slide. And he's clapping as well. He's like almost clapping his voice I'm, I'm, last I'm week. I'm all for it. I'm all you for like it. That? Yeah, the clap great. is pure like shithousery, right? <laughs> I love it. And, and I, like the look on his face is that look that everybody hates. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh man, it just, it just fit in so. It just when I found this photo of him, the way he's smiling and clapping. So if you're on the podcast version, definitely check out the thumbnail on Twitter or yeah. something. Like it's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, we have um, some really exciting matchups this week. It's all quite dense as well. We got Saturday and Sunday. It's quite rare, isn't it? Five matches on each day. No Friday games. No Monday games. Could be a lot of FPL points flying in. And I guess what I would say to everyone is, this is the last game week before the international break. Don't overdo it. Don't overreact to last week. It was a bad week for most people. Don't go ahead and make huge decisions now with a two-week international break after this. Just steady the knees. Whatever you think you learned last week may not have been more than just a mere anomaly or it may have just rained in the desert once, as they say, or or it does <laughs> rain there sometimes. So, yeah, let's go to uh, the philosophy, I think, first. So we go to there. Two minutes in, we're not doing bad, despite, obviously, we're late going live, but... In terms of the show, I think we can get to the matchups by four minutes in. This is going to be great. Cool. So, Game Week 12, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, the FPL philosophy Game Week 12 um, comes to us from Thich Nhat Hanh. He he started the uh, Plum Plum Tree Village. Uh, It's a Buddhist community in in France. And he, he passed away a few years ago. But he said, we are very good at preparing to live, but not very good at living. And... This this quote reminded me of, of this game week because we've done all these preparations, right? We've seen the fixture swings. We've planned our transfers. Some people are looking up out until game week 19. They've been looking there. Pras has been looking there since like game week two. He knows what's going on in game week 19. Greenback um, golfer as well. Shout out to him, one of the super bowlers. Obviously, he was on the show in the RMT, right? And yep. I think these guys... Super Hall is a super planner. Yeah, these guys and Ducky and stuff, they were planning out for game week 25 already, like preseason. Yeah, yeah, and and it's important. It's 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 a great skill, and it's important. And we are, but we have to recognize it's we are very good fun, at though. It's fun as well, right? from an view. For sure, for sure, and and it's great. But and that's like preparing to live. We're good at all of that. But then when life hits, sometimes we're we're not so great at at accepting the thing, uh, the the way life hits for us. So I mean that that was that was game week eleven, I think, in a nutshell. And and I think we the, the meta lesson for game week eleven is um we just need to live with it right live with it a little better than we have been like you were saying not overreact hey, don't needs. just lose just... your stuff yeah like you don't want to lose the plot here so that's for yeah sure. like a like a game week a, a game week score of 20 on one end is 
it's like the opposite end, but the same thing as a game week score of 120. It's like negative variance and positive variance, and both will happen throughout the season. So let's live with it. Yeah, I think you know we. So obviously, I know you listened to the um, the review show from uh, the Planet guys, and you, you saw obviously the meetup they did on Sunday, and I know you reached out to me, and obviously they kind of called it a group therapy session. It was supposed to be this mm-hmm. great day where everyone had two or three Aston Villa assets. You know, mm-hmm. then there was Liverpool playing. They thought we're going to have this great day of football. We're going to watch these two televised games, lots of FPL coverage. Everyone's going to have lots of points. And then we're going to do a live show. And everyone's going to be so happy and in a buzzing mood. <laughs> and what I realized is we did learn to live with it, Gabe, at the meetup because yeah. we were just there as like a group counseling or therapy session, just realizing that, yeah, we want a shit game week, but we have to live with it and laugh and enjoy the game. It's a game. That's why we play. Um, so ultimately, I realized I didn't really think about how bad my score was because. It's just like, well, now I'm surrounded by people who understand that feeling. There's better mm-hmm. things to enjoy in life than letting FPL get in the way of your mood. And it's taken years to learn to practice that skill because I do get annoyed with FPL outcomes a lot. And mm-hmm. I don't look at like whether I am happy with my decision making. I just purely look at how pissed off I am at the outcome. And I think yeah. I try to learn to distance myself from that. Like just enjoy the preparing, as you say. We're very good at it. But then remember how much preparing I did and don't just shit the bed, right? So that, that's the thing, right? Don't just suddenly, like, when it goes wrong, be, like, really bad at enjoying the game. It's a game. If it didn't yeah. work, it didn't work. Just it was my decision-making sound or not. If, if reassess that, be a bit self-reflective. And otherwise, move on and just enjoy the next game. We try, try to enjoy it. It's a game. And, and I love what you said about, like, it's a game and it's a game we play, it, we play together. So actually having that experience together in that meetup was it's the perfect um, environment to be in after a, like a, such a, an awful game. I week, might right? be much more You're depressed just... at home. Yeah, that's true. Maybe just yeah, be Yeah, yeah, by yourself. Like helped. Yeah. Get out there. Yeah, yeah. let's share in, in, in the living, the, the good and the bad. Definitely. So th- this is a quick couple of shout outs to everyone who's tuned in live tonight. We'll go to the matchup. So black screens here first. Let's go. We have Nick Khan, Ola, good to see you guys. We have K7, Evening Mate, Sokan, good to see you. Thank you for tuning in. We've got Claire FPL tuning in live as well. 1FDE, Dom Black Dragon, good evening, Haulers. Um, we also have a question from Black Screen that I'll just put up from now because I'm not going to do it in the Q&A. He says, Mariner is hiding after captaining Darwin. No, sorry, after Captain Darwin outscored Haaland. So that two-point versus one-point debate is... Uh, Fueling on this week. Um, we have um, Colm Boogler. Good to see you, buddy. Really loved seeing your boys out there against um, Man United. I thought you guys did incredible, to be honest with you. It's very unfortunate. Dread FPL. Good to see you, buddy. Evening. Hope to see you on Friday as well when the cheating guys are in town in London. So it's a big month, Gabe. We got, yeah. you know, there was the Planet FPL live show, me up on Sunday, always cheating on Friday. Football Content Awards in Anfield Stadium next Thursday. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And then the London meets on the 25th of November after the international break. The 12.30 kickoff game is Man City versus Liverpool. And the 5.30 is Arsenal v Brentford, which I bring that up because as a Raya owner, he can't play. And I wonder if Turner is your backup right. goalkeeper who's now also suddenly been dropped. So does that leave you worried or? Areola. Oh, you have Ariola already. Thank God. I have Ariola. Yeah, yeah. I got him. I got. I I know. I went. I well. I I thought Turner turned. There was a there was a risk he could be benched, right? So I I went um, Ryan and and Ariola on on wild card. But some people will be in that 
scenario and, and i bet i bet some people will just choose to ignore it just take the zero at goalkeeper that week and just move i on. think i would you know i think i would unless oh, you're maybe yeah. looking to get to like a flecken and in your mind you're thinking you want to bring in flecken against arsenal it's a bad entry point for sure but obviously yeah, the potential double in game week 20 so maybe that's something you can bench in game week the blank in game week 18 and maybe have him for the double but claire's got raya and Ariola with you so cool all right What's up, Dread from Podmas? So Podmas here as well. And we'll keep putting the messages up on the screen as you all jump in. And for Black Screen, I think he hauled in everyone's hearts. I think the stats I saw was nine shots, three big chances missed. No idea how someone doesn't score from like anyway. That, I know he, that was that was the <laughs> only the only said. good thing of this weekend. That was the best thing that happened this weekend was Darwin was Darwin. <laughs> you must have absolutely loved that. Um loved it. Yeah, you must honestly you must have been so happy. Cool. So nine minutes in, we're gonna go straight to the game with 12 matchups now. This is actually five minutes earlier than last week because obviously Lucy and I know arrived right in the middle as well. So mm-hmm. when we were just between the philosophy and the matchups, he came in and we got distracted again. But today I'm going to try and not be distracted. I'm enjoying some nice red wine, actually, some Italian wine that I got on holiday. And, yeah, just enjoying waiting for Arsenal-Seville, official lineups, all the good stuff. So Wolves mm. versus Tottenham is the 12.30 kickoff. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, Gabe. Obviously, I know you covered the, like, all your thoughts on them in the review, but from a kind of going forwards perspective, I'd love to know what you think about Tottenham with kind of the injuries and the suspensions and, does this mean that like Sun was a captaincy option for me this week with the kind of the rest of the team in mind and the context there? Mm-hmm. I don't like I'm gonna hold him. I know some people might sell him, I'm gonna hold him still this week. I think it's too early to judge and make rash decisions, as we say, but overall I do expect Spurs to not look as good with kind of just the suspensions. Like honestly, I have no idea. I know yeah, K7 question straight in what to do with Spurs. I said, so I'm holding Sun, but if you were a defensive asset owner or a Madison owner. I wonder if you're getting trigger fingers and itchy feet right now. I mean, my plan was always to sell Madison for for Saka this this game week, so that's that's still on for me. And and I and I have Son, um, but just to go over the net XG for the podcast, um, Spurs two point oh six, Wolves one point one nine. So it does see a, a goal here for for Wolves, even without the injuries. Um, that's without the injuries, but with a with a healthy netto, right? So it's a bit of a trade off. But regardless, I, I see a goal for at least one goal here for for Wolves at home. Um, and I mean the the obvious choice here is um, for for Spurs is Son, but if I, how, I don't, we don't know how injured Madison is, do we? Like I think that it makes very minor. Make a really big difference. I think it seems very minor that there's a chance he obviously doesn't play this weekend, but then with the two-week break mm. after and how minor it seems, you would ultimately right. think he'll be back by game week 13. So the worst case, I would say, is one game week missed. But um, yeah, but even then, in that time, <laughs> you know, Arsenal have Burnley at home and as poor as Arsenal have looked going forwards and Saka's own kind of XG numbers that people have been talking about in the last three, which, you know, is a small sample size, but it is concerning and we'll see more of mm-hmm. Saka tonight. That is tough, isn't it? Because obviously Spurs had looked much more attacking than Arsenal. But here we are, 11 weeks in, and both teams have scored the same number of goals now. So, yeah, you know, end of the day, it looks like um, the underlying numbers and the difference in those aside, in raw output, both teams have scored the same amount. And here we are, free-flowing Spurs and Arsenal's terrible attack. That's been the narrative all season, right? 
It's funny that. Well, and and it's well, it's <laughs> it's um yeah, it's largely influenced by outcome. You know, the Spurs attack. You know, when when you're looking at it, like they should not be as high in the table as as they are certainly. But you can't say that Arsenal attack has been good they or be better terrible. than last season. No, no, they've yeah, been terrible. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. So like it's been and terrible. <laughs> I I, th- I think where where Spurs edges it on Arsenal is is just the the number of shots that Spurs generate. While Arsenal is like knocking the ball out around the box, we say the possession without penetration is masturbation. So if Arsenal are <laughs> masturbating, Spurs are shooting blanks. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's a very good way of looking at it. Yeah. But but I mean, Wolves are also the, you know they they aren't at their best. But but at home, it's it is a tough place to go. But I I do see Sun kind of like getting in between the the center backs um, of Spurs. But but I think it'll it'll come like. Kind of from from a long ball or or something like that, um, rather than because because I, I think Spurs are uh, sorry Wolves is central midfield can can take care of can can kind of like play Madison out of the game. Fair and obviously I think if we did get news with it being the early kickoff that he was injured as well, um, you know, I would think that would be an easy sell for me personally. And if I had news that he started, I don't know if I'd be as convinced of selling. Um, Arsenal, as you say, their, their attack has not looked as good and we'll see how tonight goes. But with it not looking as good, you start to question why would you want to sell the player from Tottenham for Arsenal based on how they've both equally been playing, right? So there is that question. And I do wonder if you kind of look at the last three or four weeks and you say to yourself, yeah, I'm not going to do like a Sun to a Saka move. Because I think the Madison move is a bit more obvious if he's injured. But yeah. the Sun move, if you know he's not injured, then the next question becomes... Will the lack of Madison and kind of Udogi in the build-up and even on the defensive side, Romero's out, Davies is out, like, you know, Van der Ven's out, like, will that actually damage Son? Or is it that he's still going to turn up here away from home against Wolves and could get a double-digit haul regardless of all those players being out? So for me, I'm not selling him for that reason. And Arsenal is it's hard to know, really, if you want to go there, right? Like, I'm not as hot as I was despite the fixtures turning. Yeah, I mean, and, and in terms of, I mean, you you play the the Spurs players you have, um, unless you're selling one, you have a, you know, you're selling Madison or something like that. Um, but I think expectations are are kind of low, and you certainly don't captain a player that is whose team is is kind of like ravaged by injuries and suspension. So I, I would I would shy from shy away from a Sun captaincy. Yeah, and just one thing I want to say, like I'm not even like I'm not falling for this fake black screen, my friend. He says Arsenal had nine <laughs> goals in two games. Outside of those two games, yeah, outside of the two highest scoring games for every team, where are they? Well, you know, Spurs' two highest games are five goals against Burnley, and um, there's another one here, four goals against Chelsea. So, oh, sorry, that's them losing. Sorry, I'm looking in the wrong column, but yeah, five, uh... five goals, five, five goals away at Burnley. And uh, another two goals elsewhere. So that's what, seven goals? So, okay. So if we take away the two games where Spurs scored seven goals and Arsenal scored nine, then Spurs have two more goals all season. Like, this is such an arbitrary thing to be saying, like, oh, yeah, and the two highest scoring games for Arsenal, two highest scoring games for, you know, there's teams winning games 8 0. Yeah, sure. If you remove the 8 0, it doesn't look as good. And that's what Gabe had said, right? He says Spurs shouldn't be where they are on the table based on actually what they've been doing. And that's also models lately. And they drop quite far down um, when you look at the performance. And United are actually one of the second worst. So they're doing way yeah. better than they should be. So despite where yeah. they are, they should be even worse. They're like bottom half in every simulation on their data so far. So 
Yeah, that, that's why I love putting Bruno on the slide because I've actually got a friend in my SKLW team and his biggest thing this week is he wants to buy Bruno. He might even captain him. So yeah, yeah, wow. there, there's definitely out there. Let us know in the chat if you're looking to buy Bruno Fernandez this week. I'm I'm excited to see if there's anyone here for that. But I, th I think yeah. the only team that's not really affected by that by a narrative like that, if you take the top two, like the the most scoring games, is New Newcastle. But maybe Brighton, they they kept winning three one for a while. So you take a couple three ones, and it's about the same. But New Newcastle have scored in many games. Um, so, yeah, you, you say, yeah, you, yeah, say yeah, that, you say that is true. Newcastle they have like the best underlying numbers, like attack and defense, like. They're, they're up there across both sides of the game like for the whole season. They've been incredible, right? There's a reason they were yeah. next five constantly. They were the best attack FDR, best defense FDR. Next five just week after week. It's like no matter what happened, they were still there. So I think they've definitely lived up. Like their underlying numbers, they've also achieved with those. Having said that, you take away the two games, I'd say Newcastle has scored 13 goals in just two games. Like... You know, like yeah, but but but, but in addition to that, they've scored like like what like seventeen goals in the rest or something like that. They they still have a game with know. four, a game with two, a game with two, a game with you know. So so they still score multiple goals aside from that. But anyway, let's let we can move on. Yeah, to anyway, yeah, yeah, before yeah. we get too much in the league, you, you you say that, but again, they've scored twenty seven goals total to the twenty three from Tottenham and Arsenal. So four goals more. You take away. 13 goals in two games and Arsenal's nine goals in two games. Arsenal end up having scored the same amount if you take away both their two best games. 14 goals in nine games compared to Arsenal. What? How many goals in in nine games did they score taking away their, their top? If, if we're so going to continue so on if you, this oh, one, right? oh, oh, I love... Okay, for, so, we'll, so if we'll wrap this one up quick. But 27 minus 50... Sorry, 27 minus 13. So they scored 14 in the 14 other nine. and nine. Yeah, yeah. No, 23 minus nine. That like 11... So as in over the difference between them, nine. right? Yeah. Like, like, it's not... It's yeah, it's still... Newcastle are great, <laughs> anyway. though. And I'm going to ask you when we get to the Newcastle matchup what you think about a Gordon captaincy and whether there's a chance he could play Ooh. through the middle with Wilson if he carries an injury. So I'd be keen to ask you about that. And yeah. who takes the penalty yeah. for Newcastle? That's another question. Let us know in the chat what you guys think. I think we'll yeah. talk about Tottenham more later in the Q&A and people looking to sell their Tottenham assets or keep them. So we'll keep going. We'll go to the next matchup of the week. This is the Saturday 3 o'clock kickoff. Arsenal versus Burnley. So net XG for the podcast listeners of 1.88 for Arsenal and 0.81 for Burnley. Overall, this looks like a kind of, I guess, 2-1 maybe to Arsenal. They do struggle to keep clean sheets at home. But you would expect that Burnley are going to keep playing their free-flowing football. I'm not sure I expect them to show up mm. in company to park the bus. But... Yeah, I don't know. It is away at the Emirates. And if there was ever a game he was going to park the bus, maybe this is it. So that's one thing to think about is data aside, will Burnley continue to play the way they have all season? Or will they be a bit more pragmatic this week? Man, it's... um that, that I mean, all, all we all we know is what we've seen, right? Um, and and they haven't they haven't really changed much. And, and they haven't... So, so I, I expect them to do kind of like the same thing they have been doing. But um, I mean, if they do that, they're they're just going to get romped, right? Um, like those, none of the numbers favor Burnley for obvious reasons. But just for, from a tactical perspective, um, I, I want to highlight how, f first of all, Saka's positioning against Newcastle. Now, Burnley and Newcastle have nothing in common, right? So, so I don't expect the same kind of thing. But I thought it was interesting how how Saka was um, 
was not put up against Dan Byrne. Like, why why not send Saka right up against Dan Byrne? And then and then they then they made the change. At, then Howe made the change at halftime, and Livermento came on and kind of shut Saka down a little bit, right? Um, so I, I wanted to get your perspective on maybe like what what Arteta's thinking could be, and if this kind of because there have been some changes. I, I think one of the things that happened, obviously, was Odegaard didn't start. So, so you had Havertz playing that right center mid role, mm. and and so the creativity is going to suffer because uh, the skill set is different, obviously, and then the level is different. Um, but is this push towards the left side penetration on the left side, and that's obviously like Martinelli and 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 company getting in behind um, Trippier, and I think that will be more more a thing. But when you look at Burnley and the way they set up, I think for Burnley it's actually easier to hit that the their left side. Mm-hmm. They have they they kind of like their creativity, like they kind of stack the midfield and creativity, and they're a little bit like um tilted to the left. But behind that midfield cluster and on the left side, I think Saka can get in behind there, but it's, is Saka going to be held back again, in your opinion? Or or maybe the, the better question is, will maybe Saka won't be held back because he won't need to be held back, but will Martinelli be sent even more forward? Like, are, are, yeah. is the balance switching a little bit here for Arsenal, in your opinion? Yeah, because I guess the start of the season, a lot of the output was coming from the right-hand side, and that kind of coincides with Martinelli wasn't fit for a lot of the season. So with him back... I've always kind of said I felt personally that I love Martinelli. He's my favourite player and I think he's the best finisher at the team. So for me, like him getting further forward can only be a good thing. And just his ability to take on anyone at any moment and be very direct. I think he adds a very different layer to our attack that we don't have without him. Equally with Odegaard not being there. I think one thing, like obviously these last three games have been terrible for Saka's numbers specifically from an XG point of view. I know he got two assists in them and you could call them lucky as well because they're like kind of FPL assists, not real, not actual Premier League assists. And um, but apart from that, the actual goal scoring side of things, he's barely been getting touches in the box or shots off. So he's playing very wide, and I do think that he's being used. Um, I think it was the FML guys. They they're calling him like a decoy. They're saying like forget winger, like they're calling him a decoy because I he's just there to like try to distract as many players as possible because everyone's on top of him after last season. So it's almost like. That combined with Odegaard being missing, who's our primary creator, Jesus through the middle, like clearly our best striker out as well. You start to look around the team and you're like, damn, like Party's missing, who was a key part of getting the ball forward with the vertical passing from last season. He's a bit more risque than someone like Rice. You got, you know, Xhaka, as much as we laugh about him, I don't think Kai Havertz has brought the same kind of robustness to our midfield that he did. So, you're in a situation where you're missing kind of Xhaka, obviously. Havertz isn't quite doing the same role. You've got parties out, Odegaard's out, Jesus is out. These are some of the most senior players in the team and mm-hmm. some of the key attacking players as well. So I would love to see how tonight goes. But for me, ultimately, it's kind of like, yeah, Arsenal haven't been great and there's been some kind of mitigating circumstances. And ultimately, like in a game at home against Burnley, who if we say they will stick to their philosophy, this feels like the game like Sheffield, 5-0 again. But the question is, Will the goals be spread out? Who's going to get the points? And with the way Saka's playing, I'm not sure it's him. And that's actually fully put me off captaining him. So just being totally honest mm-hmm. to the chat, he is someone who's not had my vice captain even so far on my bus team. And I love him and I, I think he can haul, but I just can't take the risk because I don't know which Saka's going to show up on that day. And just to finalise mm-hmm. that thought, so I definitely think Odegaard out is affecting Arsenal for sure. And Blackstreet also asks, 
doesn't it look like Saka's maybe carrying an injury, like they said Son was last year? And I think he is. If you look at those three games with the XG and his role out wide, is literally the three games after missing the game for being injured. So, you know, he played like 80-something games. He made an appearance in, in a row in the Prem, like the record in the league that was active and the best Arsenal record at the age of 21. The guy's got Arsenal's most consecutive minutes in the league already. He's then injured. He comes back and he just looks like a shadow of himself. Yeah, so I, I would have given him a four out of 10, four and a half out of 10 last game, if I'm honest. And I'm not normally very harsh on him. So, yeah, so I think for me... I love the idea of Martinelli. If someone was to take a punt, if you were selling Madison and you kind of are just as unconvinced about Saka currently as it stands, I would rather be going the Martinelli route. But let's see how tonight goes. Goals change confidence and they bring with them confidence. You know, if all goes well at home tonight, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I wouldn't be looking to captain Saka as it stands. Um, I'm on Salah on my bus team. Watkins is a consideration. Haaland is a consideration. And Gordon is a consideration. So those are kind of my... I feel like for me personally, this is a week where I've got no choice who I want to captain and there's so many options I would ha be happy with. So I'm quite excited by that to not just feel like it's definitely Haaland or definitely Salah. I actually feel quite excited. It's like, it feels like my most exciting week from a captain's point of view this season. So yeah, that's so kind I of have, my I've, I have a question for you then. Um, Saka minus four or Martinelli? I'd probably go without the hit, Martinelli, I think. But again, like you, we are asking about this before tonight, right? And that yeah. makes a huge difference. Like I always say to people, when I make my process, I, I want to see the midweek games. I want to look at the presses on the week. You know, like Martinelli picks up a knock, obviously, if you're listening to the pod on Friday and Martinelli's injured, like that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying by Martinelli or Saka. But yeah, right. just as, based on what we know right now, without them playing tonight, without seeing if Saka is getting over the knock he was carrying or whatever. Because if he suddenly just looks completely like himself and he looks great and the team looks great and the attack looks better, then you're suddenly like, oh shit, is he even a captaincy option this week? Because very quickly it can swing from he's not worth a hit to fuck it, bring him in on a hit and captain him. So what I would say is the only time uh... I bring him on a hit this week, Gabe, is if you're going to captain him. So if you're going to captain him regardless of what he looks like so far, just because of the fixture and because like he's He's not blanked in a home game yet this season. So if you're just going to bring him in and captain him for a hit, then yeah, I would go there. I would not be captaining Martinelli. He would just be a transfer in without right. a hit. But yeah, I think for captaincy, right. I would take the hit. And what about um, people that are deciding between Saka and Nketia? No chance. Yeah, Nketia is not in the team today. He wasn't in training. Jesus has been called up by Brazil. He, obviously, they might try and still skip using him against Burnley at home. And then contact Brazil and say, look like he's injured. And then you'll see him as soon as game week 13. So I think Jesus okay. is going to be back much sooner than we expected. And and Ketia for one week, even bar that hole, he's not always looked great. So yeah, right. I, I, I was keen on him. I was looking at Archer this week for Nketiah, taking yeah. a minus four somewhere to fund it. Like I was going to create, create creative ideas, right? But no, no chance anymore. So I think it's Martinelli, Saka. And then defenders, I love it if you can afford Saliba. If you can't, I love Gabriel still. And yeah, I still also love um, Raya, who you have in goal, as long as you've got mm -hmm. the cover, obviously, for game week 13 when he can't play yeah. against Brentford. But yeah, we'll talk more about these guys in the captaincy in the q and I'm sure. So like, we'll talk about, like, I guess, the stuff about does the game suit Nketia. Um, we, we, can, we can talk about that when we come to the q and I've started later, Jaskrin, don't worry. And oh, you, you say we've kind of answered it anyway. Fine, okay, perfect. Cool, let's go to the next one just so we can keep the pro. So Crystal Palace versus Everton. 
them Johnston and Crystal Palace defensive asset owners are looking happy so far. They're enjoying themselves, aren't they? Everyone laughed at them buying Crystal Palace defenders last week. And now they've got a great run of fixtures ahead. What are your thoughts on Crystal Palace versus Everton? Because Everton have been a much better team. We said they're on the rise. Palace should have Eze back, maybe off mm-hmm. the bench to start with. But that's quite exciting because their attack has been very dull without him. So, yeah, what do you think strategically, or should we do the numbers first? Um, just for podcast, next year, 1.36 for Crystal Palace and 1.06 for Everton. So, yeah, let's talk about it more tactically and, I guess, the return of Eze. And, um, yeah, like, what are your thoughts? This game seems like a, a nice casual one like for a pure watch as they say like just watch this and I don't have any of their assets right now but I'd be watching it and looking at those defenders intently and looking at Ezra intently because mm-hmm. he's a great price he's price dropped through the injury like I, I, the fixtures look great he, he's my main watch list candidate right now from this game I would say Forget I mean Ezra's he's back on the, he's he's on the menu right he's back on the menu at the very least um i'm i'm still not i i still i can't get behind uh investing in crystal palace defense i i think they are still not there uh, the, the, the the clean sheets I, I think have been a little bit lucky i never really expect them to keep a clean sheet i don't expect them to keep a clean sheet against everton um everton have shown some attacking prowess calvert lewin um healthy um they're they're playing they they kind of like finding their identity and and Johnston, he's he's made some pretty bad mistakes this season. He he's I don't I don't I think people have talked him up. Um, I've hyped him a lot to be better than than he really is. Um, and and then the last reason I don't like Palace uh, defense so much is because you can get defenders from the top teams like Newcastle and Liverpool um, for a similar price. Like um, we have Simicus, right, who's like four point six now. Um, you have Lascelles, who who will be probably starting for the next couple months. He's 4.0. He plays for Newcastle, which is probably the best defense in the league. You can get. Um, I was talking to uh, to Craig Kemp, the the man on Pod Craig, um, and he mentioned uh, someone that I thought was interesting, not just yet, but maybe in a couple of game weeks, is uh, Manuela Kanji. Right, Stones mm. is out again. His back, his back. Yeah, that's true. He looks like he could be out, be out for a couple years, months. Akanji's, yeah. Akanji's four point nine. Yeah, so he's also four point oh. Well, he's also now Akanji. So he's now gone and got another flag for a new injury that he'd just come back oh, from really? one. Because I know because then, I have him in all my draft teams, and every week I'm sweating: is the guy suspended? Is he fit? Is he fucking playing? Like, I think he should yeah, be fine. I mean, like, I, even if he's not ready this week. He, he is right. there, as you say, at four point nine million for the viewers. Like that is so exciting. You, once he is ready, it is, and and once their fixtures change, so you have all of these options on kind of like top four, top six teams for for defenders, and they're cheap. And you're gonna go and buy the Palace defender. You're I see what you mean. Like you're paying five point over... one for Anderson instead of four point nine for a Kanji. That does sound insane, doesn't it? Right, or even four point zero for Lascelles. Yeah, Lass- true. Th- Top, top defender target is Jamal. Is that either go all the way down or all the way to like a top six club? Like, well, not top yeah. six, big, traditional big sixes. But I mean, you're going all the way down to the four million. You're still, you're still in a top four but club in Newcastle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is crazy, right? Um, that's yeah. and we sounds like Hotman's kind of a bit more screwed as well. I do. I would say that the fixtures ahead for City, I don't really like them too much. Obviously, it's Chelsea away, Liverpool home, Tottenham home. So at least some of those are at home. But going forwards after that, there's obviously Villa, there's Luton, 
something that, it's, you know, Haaland and stuff will be rested Game week against. 16. Starting game week 16. I get uh, them in. City, city defense. Yeah. Like bench them for Look. the blank, have them for the double, hopefully, in 20. Yeah. That's a nice double. Sheffield United home and Brentford home. If that double goes ahead, two home fixtures, everyone's going to be looking for who's the best uh, city defender to partner with uh, Haaland and one of Alvarez or Foden. Some will go for triple yep. attack, but that's painful. I, I know people who got one attacking return from six city goals. You know, like, so there's some mad shit. Like, <laughs> how does that happen, right? <laughs> that's just yeah. talk about unlucky, man. But as you say, because there isn't too many players you would recommend from these teams as it stands, Bramthwaite again at 4 million as well as a Lachelle's alternative in the Everton side here. Another I think let's go to the yeah. next matchup. Yeah, let's go to the next matchup because... This one was five minutes, which I think is fair for this matchup. But we'll, I'm sure we'll answer these questions as we go. Um, yeah. Man United versus Luton. So Bruno Fernandes, it's time for the thumbnail hero to come clutch. So next, you have 1.83 for the podcast listeners for Man United and 1.33 for Luton. So yeah, why don't you talk us through this game tactically? Like, obviously, United at Old Trafford, you, you would think that, you know, this is going to be a big game for them. Like, this is their chance to get the fans on side again. Make a statement, yeah, I mean, right? I... Like a fuck-off victory. Like, every team needs a fuck-off victory. Like, like, they've won games, but the fans have been pissed by the performances, right? So, they now need yeah. that game where, like, the attack looks great, it clicks, there's a lot of goals, they look dominant. Because they, they have won games, and I've seen a manager come out and talk about, like, yeah, we won, it's fine. But we know people are not enjoying that, right? Like, they know some of these games are undeserved wins, so ultimately, is this their game? Like Luton are, you know, one of the punching boys away from home of the league, I would say. So I'm surprised the next year is giving them like a 2 1 or a 1 1 here. Well, I was just bringing up some stats here. Um, so a couple of things I want to highlight here. Um, they are one. Uh, the right zonal matchup for Manchester United is is the best of any game in the league, of any zonal matchup in game week 12, and it's 6.0. Uh, so six chances expected from that right-hand side. The problem is Manchester United's right-hand side is absolutely dysfunctional. Um, mm -hmm. The So from an attacking perspective, what I can see happening and something... The thing is, if, if Dallow's going to play on the left again, right, um, and Wan <laughs> it's Juan Bissaka kind of creating those chances, um, then then nothing's going to come from it, right? Wambisaka is going to be sending crosses into the fucking... Uh, I see what you mean. So he goal. makes the six chances, but like he's the one whipping them in. Um, yeah. Equally, there's the question of whether Varane gets back into the team, obviously. Sounds like it's been tactical decisions because he doesn't want to play either Varane or Maguire at left centre-back. So Evans somehow gets in tactically ahead of Varane. Um, that sounds very odd, I know. Um I saw there was a couple of United in the nose on Twitter. One of them tweeted the last time, you know, that Varane was benched on the weekend. He tweeted, that's Varane off the Saudi in January. So is there a rift between the manager? I'm not sure Ten Hag is the best man manager. Uh, he might be a tactician and he's done great things with Ajax, but I don't know what he's like from a personable level. He reminds me a bit of Van Hal at United where they're quite direct mm. and quite blunt. And sometimes that yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit like chalk and cheese, as we say, like, it's, they just don't go together. Like it just feels off when you hear him. Like you, you don't feel like you can build a relationship. Like he's just very rude, and he's he's been rude about opponents, players, and rude about a lot of things in his presses. So maybe that's yeah. Personality. I, 
I, I don't that I I can't explain that. that. There's no tactical reason to not play Varane, and and Is there's even a the tactical angles, reason. I don't know <laughs> the angles. Yeah, fuck off, dude. Like like the Maguire. What one th- one thing Maguire does well he, is he would cover for Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw would bomb, and Maguire would know where to be and how to cover for him. Now you have he should Dalo just play playing. Maguire. He should just play Maguire at left centre back, and then just yes. whack around a right centre back. Right, Varane, like, that's, that's it. it's so it. obvious. Um, like so why yeah, so so. But I think he also likes that Evans has a nice pass on him. Obviously, there was that goal where Evans assisted Bruno, where they mm-hmm. one of those many fluky victories that United have got themselves this season. Uh, so I don't know. Does he think Evans at, like it's just so wild, man? Like I, so, yeah. So he's I, he's I playing know, Evans over Vahan for Evans' attacking prowess. Yeah, <laughs> that's, league four time winner, yeah, like more I, I just I can't even comprehend what's going on. Um, People, so I, think, I got told he signed just to be there for training for preseason. When he first signed um, for United, Evans, it wasn't even about like oh he's going to be in the squad this year. It was, oh, he's signing so he can stay fit in preseason. On it, the was a, it was it was a pity signing. <laughs> so it that's the thing. Sex. I thought that, but there's a uh, there's a United account who's very anti Ten Hag, and he said you guys are saying that it's not his fault that everyone's injured and he's playing Evans. But here's a quote from Evans when Evans played United last season, and he said Ten Hag came to him and said. Do you want to join us this summer? And I said, sure. So Ten Hag was apparently trying to buy Evans last year when he played him in a match. Like, so, you know, if that's to be believed, holy fuck, that's all I could say. Pod, None of these excuses. Podna, Podna here says that he saved Varane for, for Champions League. Um, two games in a row? Yeah, exactly. That, that's games. what I'm saying. Uh, it's, it's, Bro, that, like that you're playing Man and, City. Like you're playing Man and, City, your biggest game of the season. Yeah. And he didn't play him. And then a week later, he still don't play. I don't know. That sounds like you a see, saved your best defend your, your best defender in a derby so you could play him in a tournament that you'll get eliminated in anyway. I don't think so. Um, Something but the, the, the other the other thing, the last thing I'll mention about this match here um, at, before we move on. Yeah. Is uh, Kaminsky um, that the goalkeeper away metric for Luton is uh, 0.4, and that, that, that's that's quite high. Then Kaminsky, what I mean, so in, in United's favor, right? Luton have they've conceded the most big chances away. So in six matches, they're averaging about three big chances conceded away. They've conceded 18 big chances away. Luton have. Black screen says, to be honest, Evans and Maguire is the best center back. <laughs> that just makes me smile. I'm not, yeah, yeah, that's funny. And Stewie um, says that Varane can't play every game, very injury prone. Maybe that's what tactical means. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Maybe it does, but he, that's he, not what he said. I won't go into it further, but he, he said specifically yeah, he what the, he could have said, said Varane wasn't fit enough. We didn't no, want to risk him. He but he said did, specifically, like, quotes. yeah, he said specifically what the tactics was. He said he said that Maguire isn't very good on the left side when he's pressed, as if Evans is. Why Evans I didn't maybe Varane against City. Yeah. Like that, he, he anyway, we, we, we don't have to go but into anyway. that. Like, I'll go back to to the to the goalkeeper. Kaminsky has saved nine of those eighteen big chances, and um and and if Manchester United, if they're not clinical and if they're going to be wasting uh big chances like they have this season, which I don't necessarily think they will at home, like you said, they could make this statement game. Um, the but the big chance matchup does favor United, but Kaminsky could take away from that because he saves about 50% of the big chances, which is very high. So it could be quite nice for him, yeah. All right, so let's um keep going. As you say, I'm sure we'll talk about United in the QA if anyone's trying to buy any United players. Uh, Varane not starting to save for the Champions League, my yeah, okay. Sounds like a falling out, <laughs> missing every single game that he's fit for. Um, you know, you don't get a four time Champions League winner, sign him on. 
huge fuck off wages and then when he's fit in your biggest games like not getting knocked out the Champions League you don't play him but no. something is off there for me Bournemouth versus Newcastle as a non-Trippier owner I said I could survive not buying him but I don't know. Like they've also had the injuries, obviously, with Burn now out as well for a few months. So Botman looks like a bit more serious. But I look at this and I'm like, fuck! I'm. Like, I really wish I had just got Trippier when the fixtures turned, when everyone said, "Oh, Newcastle have been shit all season. Why would you buy a Newcastle defense?" <laughs> I wish at the time I decided he was worth it. I just wish I had, honestly. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I... else to tell you. Uh, but now I feel I... like I don't want to spend that money either. <laughs> Oh, it's, God, I mean, he's 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 super expensive now. He's like he's always seven, seven million, million or more, seven million plus. I mean, it the fixture does favor Newcastle, obviously. Two point oh six net xG to one point oh seven for Bournemouth. So maybe not necessarily a clean sheet for Bournemouth. Look, but Bournemouth's goalkeeper, I, I forget, I, he's had some pretty bad gaffes at home, and the the goalkeeper metric is minus point one. So that's bright green there. Um, saying that it's good for Newcastle, um, but so so this is like a captaincy kind of discussion. And a lot of people thinking of captain of captaining Trippier. Um, I I don't know that the away kind of scares me. I don't know if Trippier has a clean sheet. I don't know if the Newcastle necessarily have a clean sheet in them. Um, the shots goal predictors would indicate that maybe there's you know there's seven. What is that seventy? Uh, 77% chance of zero or one goals. I'll almost split between down the middle there. Um, so I, I think it's a toss of a flip of a coin whether whether Newcastle get that clean sheet. Now the the zonals don't light up kind of anywhere the like within the kind of margin of error. I think 3.0 on the left for Newcastle, 3.5 down the center, and 3.4 on the right. I think that, so. I think we have to kind of turn to the tactics. Um, and where I look at the space that Bournemouth leave in the middle of the field, and especially from the from their center from the center mid to their and even between their center backs, I I think there is, if Anthony Gordon is kind of like if if Newcastle is, has a depleted lineup and Anthony Gordon is playing through the middle, then I could see long balls from Fabian Scher, which scares me because I sold him. Um, this in game week eleven, he might also be Straight. the one on penalties with Wilson and Isaac out. There is there is yeah. every reason to give it to him as as much as there is to give it to any of the other remaining players. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I, I do love Anthony Gordon in this fixture. Um, I and he was rested the other thing in that, week, right? So he he came yeah. off the bench at half time, and you're like, damn, like they're trying to protect him. They're like running short on wingers. They're giving like Livramento runs out on the wing. Just the rest and, and so, than uh, Almiron. So let's talk about that, right? We were talking about defenders, and it's interesting. There's a lot of defender conversation here, and I think a lot of us are kind of entrenched in a midfield and in a forward line, and and that's why these def- conversations about defenders, I think, keeps coming up. You have um, Hall, who has who has played left back, who has started left back for Newcastle this season. Yeah. And and you have Livermento who can play left back, right back, or now we know he played right wing um, in in the Champions League. So yeah, to like let to to let Hall in as well, so they both get in, and then so they can both get in, and and they have the the. Well, we've seen the know, switch as well, right? We've seen Trippier move to the other one, so that then um, Livermento might play right back, and he would play, right play left back. Yeah, 
Yeah. So it's just damn man. Like there's so for so me that I think there's value there though. But it's like yeah, that's because then I think he's now also a rotation option for the forwards, and then he could just be sub. Or is it that actually he's still safe because even if he starts as a winger, he then goes to the back line to replace Hall. <laughs> what narrative do you want to believe, right? Yeah, I believe because Hall had a yellow card, I think it was. I think that he made mm. that decision based on the card, personally. So I know they were also losing at the time, but I, I feel personally it was because of the card. And Hall yeah. has played, he has come in, at least at left back ahead, like Livermento hasn't come in uh, as, as much as Hall, you know. Does Burn move to to center back with Cher? Play Hall left back. I don't know. Burns out. Burns long gone as well. Oh right, right. But Burns. I mean, yeah, uh, but that's why all these opportunities. So, so that's why, like, you're looking at these three. There's such there's such upside with Livermento because the the boy can attack and he can defend. He's he's a good player. If he's playing that right wing, amazing. Yeah, I loved him as a talent. If he's playing that right wing, he's like he's the next Lundstrom. Better. But but I think he'll just play there in the absence of. Obviously, like Gordon, but Almiron and, and Almiron and Gordon together, they both got bench right. So I look at that as like yeah. the only reason he got that far up the pitch was because two wingers on both sides got benched. Um, right. Obviously, Wilson and Isaac being out doesn't help. So you want to manage that and see where they are in their returns from injury. But I think overall, Lachelle's is someone I would love to have uh, just as a budget enabler. I think you could hold on to him for quite a while because the Botman injury doesn't sound as a, I guess straightforward as it first was when we were told about it but yeah. anything on Bournemouth side any love for their assets Solanke someone we mentioned throughout the season he's always one of the kind of in their top for next involvement graphs he's always one of the top players as a talisman but I just again it's what you were saying like the guy cost the same price almost as um, you know Man City's striker Alvarez despite the price rising so I just don't see how I'd be buying a player from this team when there's players from kind of the traditional big six available. And Nkunku is someone I want to keep an eye on just to put it out there, but we'll talk about that in the Chelsea section. Yeah. Like uh, so yeah. Yeah, from, from Bournemouth's perspective, the kind of like everything they do going forward goes through Tavernier. And yeah. and the you know that that the right zonal is slightly better than the rest at, at but it's still not great at 2.9. So what what you're looking for is kind of direct balls like Balls from Tavernier to Solanke in space. Um, and you you could see that happening with this Newcastle team if they're dominating the game and they're pushing forward. You could see, you know, Bournemouth kind of getting through on a linking through Tavernier and getting getting a ball early to Solanke against a you know not starting back line. You could you could see Bournemouth scoring at home. I I, I could see that. Yeah, which is so why maybe... I'm not crazy about the the defensive captaincy. I think Anthony Gordon captaincy is much more interesting, but uh, obviously, uh, I think Claire was doing the considering Trippier, Trippier and it's the yeah. only new, it's the only Newcastle player she has. So, so I think that's fair enough. It's a nice game. I think Bournemouth at home, though. I, I'm going to look elsewhere for captaincy. As much as Gordon it seems exciting on paper, I think I'd still be going Salah over Gordon all day. Um, and yeah, equally, even. I think if I was thinking more about Saka or Gordon or Watkins, Watkins is someone we'll come back to as well. I think I, just, I prefer the home fixtures and there's three players right there, right, who have three home fixtures in Salah, Watkins and Saka. So I just, I'd rather captain the home player, but that's that's just me. Aston Villa versus Fulham on that note. So 2.52 net XG for Aston Villa at home versus 0.77 for Fulham. So yeah, like for me as a Watkins and cash owner, cash has been passed fit, his flag has been removed. Very happy about that. 
this feels like a fantastic game. Um, I know Villa looked dreadful away at times, but in these home games, it's where they've been scoring the bucket loads, as we say. And I'm not too averse to a Watkins captaincy this week. It's actually something I'm more and more considering. So I feel like for me right now, it's between Watkins and Salah. I'm like down to those mm-hmm. two as my captain and vice captain. I mean, yeah, with I think this is the the highest net XG of of the uh, of the game week, and it's all it's a Villa at home, right? Villa are um, like at, at home; they're just monsters. They just they just over overpower uh, opposing teams. And and Watkins as as a talisman, I think is is the obvious one, and why he's. I'm just looking at my notes here, but um, my, I'm looking for my Villa notes. Um, yeah, but, but and Watkins is is definitely like one of one of the top captains. He shouts the uh, the zonal matchup kind of supports it. Four point three down the center compared to three point seven on the right and three point one on the left. Um, that's chances created. Um, and then just just from a um, like a from a tactical perspective, you know, I, I like I like Watkins kind of staying away. The, the fact that he stays away from Palinia. Um, and, and when, when Fulham set up, they, they often, they, they focus everything down their left-hand side, which leaves space on their right-hand side, which is the kind of like Watkins likes to drift into that left half space, which would be, um, Fulham's right space where they leave space. So I think it tactically, it sets up nicely for Watkins as well. Um, and I agree with Craig. He says Watkins and Diaby running and running and behind a high line. I, absolutely, we see we can see in the average position maps how high um, how high and spread Fulham's back line is. Um, I, I wonder, and Craig is a is a Villa fan, um, and I, and I wonder how do we how do we predict Diaby involvement? I mean, I I think Watkins is clearly the plan A, right? But is there is there a way to predict? Diaby's involvement because I have to say since I've gotten him I I'm not really happy with him as a, as an asset he's like one of those players but that I feel like I can't sell though so I'm um, wondering if any if anyone in the chat or, or if Craig as a as a Villa fan um, can answer that I don't know what you think do you have an idea on that have you ever, have you heard seen any patterns with Diaby yeah that's what I'm thinking because I feel like there's almost like each game where one of them is hauling it's like it's set up tactically for that one to be the one to benefit so even though they've both kind of been playing up top there's certain games that seem to be focused around getting Watkins unlocked tactically and everything goes through him and then there's other games where it's DRB and I do wonder if Craig as a Villa fan thinks that certain games whether it's home or away or certain opposition and the way the opposition line up means that Watkins or DRB is more likely to hold and that's actually currently the reason I'm still on Salah over Watkins as a captain is because I'm not quite sure if although it's a home game I don't know if this is the Watkins game or the Diaby game. And I don't know if maybe I'm wrong. Someone let me know. But I'm, I'm not sure I've seen like a game where they both fall crazy. I feel like it's either one or the other. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, yeah, that maybe that's just outcome bias. Obviously, Watkins could have hauled in the game where he blanked recently. He, he, you know, he went crazy a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, m- m- maybe it's just outcome bias here. But it seems like there's maybe more. Maybe it is tactical and not just that was the outcomes. But yeah, let us know what you guys think. Um, and that's what's putting me off Watkins' captaincy, is purely that, like whether this is the DRP game. I don't know if and, I'm onto something here or if I'm like just looking at the results and like making my own conclusions that are not related to what's going on on the pitch. Here, here we have um, Craig with a, 
And, and this is just, we're going to show Craig's response here. And, and 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 this is just the kind of level you get at the Man on Pod. Um, they, they do a great pod. I listen to it every week. Um, they do several, several shows a week, including a free hit show, which is, which is really cool. They, they do a free hit every week. Um, Craig says, Diaby's job is more to drag defenders up the pitch, almost like a false nine. Shouldn't need to do that here. Should allow him to focus more on running forwards rather than moving away from goal. That's why Craig likes... Diaby and that I hope that I hope that comes to fruition and, but I think some sometimes it's dependent on game state and what happens in the game so for example in that one like Watkins missed uh missed that big chance and then missed the rebound and and Diaby wasn't getting anything and then at halftime things shifted yeah so it could, it could be like sometimes something isn't working so it goes to the other so then they think, change it yeah I think owning the two, you have to kind of live with that. Now, hearing what Craig had to say about Diaby in this one and how Diaby's not going to be needed to spread the defense because we can see by the average position maps, it's already spread. Is Watkins really that reliable as a captain? Yeah, so Stewie says like maybe this, like Diaby might be running into Paulinho though. So it might be that Paulinho's sole job is to just man mark him and follow him. So even though he's not trying to spread the defenders, instead he has Jao Polinia hunting him down all game. And then yeah, he's also I, a defender. So is he going to be like doubled up on all game? But saying that, tactically, I'm not pull him away from home. Are gonna, I'm sorry, Combe, again to say this, but I just don't think there's going to be enough. And I'm someone who owned four Fulham assets in draft league last week when they were playing Man United. When I heard the team news, I bought in four of your players. I so think, I back you guys. I think, I think Polinia is going to have his hands full with the, with the Villa center mids. And, and I don't so see him players there on top and, of him, yeah. and I don't see him following Diaby out of central midfield to play on that back line and leave a big hole in central midfield when you have players like John McGinn mm. and um and uh, and and Doug Douglas Luis that can go in and they 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 can hurt you as well. So um so I I think Padina is going to be needed to pl- to be the stopper there almost like in front of that back line and they're going to have to deal with Diaby's runs um in in a different way. So that's. Uh, yeah, interesting point by by Craig, and I think it does put a little bit of a damper on the idea of a Watton's captaincy. And I still really wouldn't talk anybody out of it if if that's the way they were going. For sure, let's go to the next matchup. Um, we'll, I'm sure we'll get. I'm, I've actually started questions about Douglas Louise and kind of just generally as we're going. So I think because we've got to almost an hour now, we're actually more than halfway through, so we're making great progress. We'll make sure we leave enough time for the Q and A. So rather than spending more time on the matchups, I think we can then just go into the questions we've not answered now um, right at the end. So this was Brighton versus Sheffield. I think this is, in another world, this would be a captaincy shot. This might even be like the most obvious captaincy of the week. Um, the data might not quite show it. I know Brighton have lots of injuries. Mm-hmm. The next year is 1.47 for Brighton, one for Sheffield. Um, ultimately, with a lot of the injured players out, it is a concern, but it just feels like such a plum fixture. Like if you were talking about like teams most likely to get two goals or more this week, I think Brighton are like top three teams for two goals or more this week. Hmm. I mean, so so the data, like you said, is kind of muted, right? It's one point four seven for Brighton, one point for Sheffield United. You'd you'd want more for Brighton when you'd expect more, right? But what what stands out is the second highest uh, zonal matchup, the second best zonal matchup of the of the game week, and that's for Matoma on the left hand side. <laughs> 5.9 baby. And we Damn. know Matoma creates for himself by by dribbling. So uh, I bet 
he's going to create chances for himself. He'll make things happen by himself. And then if you're really looking for some confirmation bias here, add the shots matchup goal predictor, combine that with the left zonal matchup, and you have chances being created from the left, lots of shots in this game, um, and Matoma creating chances for himself. And despite so that that st kind of stands in contrast to all of the rest of the data, right? So you, you just have to choose um, which way you're going to go. I mean, Matoma versus I'm going to ask you like an either or right now, kind of catch you off guard. Matoma or Martinelli? I'd be buying Matoma. Interesting. That's that's I really say, interesting. I, I, I say that, but I have him in my Sky Team Matoma. And then, funnily enough, I couldn't afford uh, Saka in some of my teams on fan team. So I went to Martinelli. And then in my other team, I looked at I was like, wait a second. I want Matoma. So I just went there. Even though, like, I know they've got lots of injuries. And Estupinian looks to be back. And he's in contention for the cup game this week as well. And I think just the return of Estupinian... We've constantly talked about like not knowing who's the left back with Lamperty and Estupinian has led to a lot of issues for Paul Matoma out there. So I do think rather than being as wide, he can hopefully cut inside more, play more centrally if Estupinian mm -hmm. is truly back. And I think if there was info that Estupinian is definitely going to be playing, Matoma feels like a very exciting player. I would pick him over Martinelli this week purely on the Estupinian thing. I'd say. Hmm. That's really that's that's really interesting. Yeah, Mitoma with Estupinian is a no-brainer. I think. Um, but I don't then know it's more of a debate without. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, without or or maybe just accepting the fact that we might not know. So yeah, because I don't think we will know. You're right. We, like, we yeah, might see him like, get minutes, but we won't know if he's definitely going to start this weekend. That's for certain. Exactly. So it's so it's it's Mitoma without knowing or Martinelli, and I think I I think I I. I prefer the the more involved player, the more, the player that's more important to the team. Maybe Matoma um, is more of the talisman for them before the injuries they have. So. Then Martinelli the, to Arsenal, yeah. But it, but it's a it's it's a tough call because this this was the obvious. Um, I mean, this you know Matoma was on was on the radar, has been on the radar for a while thanks to these fixtures, and and this is one of the ones. And now now I'm stuck. I, I don't know if I go Arsenal like I had originally planned. Matoma feels a little punty, but a, a kind of like a solid, like smart punt with with some good upside, in, especially in this fixture. Um, yeah, I think my difficulty is so like where I could have had like a Diaby or a Matoma, I went to Bowen, and that's kind of one of the reasons I don't have Trippier, right? So I've kind of ended up with Bowen and Gordon instead of like a Matoma and Diaby, or one of Matoma, Diaby, a Fodder, and uh, Trippier. So I feel like I've made my bed. Bowen, you know, Forest home. Burnley away, Crystal Palace home, Tottenham away, Fulham away. So I look at those next ones. Like at some point, I might free up some money out of Bowen or move sideways in the same price point. But I just can't sell him for, you know, a Brighton player who's currently in a squad that's super thin. And on top of that, they are playing midweek as well. So it's kind of like, like, do I really want to prioritize a transfer from a team that is playing on Thursday night? And they've got tons of injuries, and it's just the same team playing a lot of the games. I know Deserbi rotates a lot as well. Matoma feels the most nailed of them with that in mind. So I was just looking at the at the app. Um, Estupinian's flag has been removed. 
That's what I mean. Yeah, so he's going to play he, tomorrow. There's no just... flag at all. Oh, I didn't yeah, realize yeah, so, that. That's... Yeah, so he's definitely going to be in the squad unless he injures himself in tomorrow's cup game. But he, he's there. Like, he, I would consider him a target. I might do, like... I might do Madison <laughs> and Matoma. Yeah, yeah there's that option. Like, you know, if you've got a Spurs defender who's suspended for three, four games, I think I'd be going to Estupinian if we see him get minutes tomorrow ahead of an Arsenal defender. I've kept them all the way. I've kept them. I never sold yeah, them. Yes, so I've so. got a few. Yeah, some of my SKLW team, they kept him and they're just hoping to get him off the bench this week. So, yeah, I think so. Um, in terms of just one yeah. final thing on Brighton, obviously, some people might be considering the likes of Evan Ferguson. There was questions about Jao Pedro earlier. What are your thoughts there? Like, um, for me, I love Ferguson as a player, but I just the minutes, like, his minutes are so rogue. It could literally be any amount. You just, you never know. Like, and I think Zerbi is deliberate with that. He wants to, he's a young kid and despite how mm-hmm. great he is at goal scoring, he just wants to, you know, manage him and not overdo it. And he has no rush to give him just like, you're number one, you're playing every game. Like, it's just not a thing even with the injuries. So that kind of puts yeah, me so off. Yeah, and, and, and I think there still will be rotation despite the Welbeck injury. So um, I, I, I agree. It puts me off him as well. And, and there are other kind of there are other options up front right now um, mm-hmm. th- that are that that are emerging. So yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're if you went in on on Evan Ferguson, I, I get it, and you definitely play him here. Oh, just a quick note on Sheffield United before we move on to the next matchup. Um, so because there there is a question about Archer, and we'll get we'll get to that the the questions at the end, obviously. But so Archer became effective once uh, after, and teacher mentioned this yesterday um, that the bringing James McAtee on for Ream Brewster um, against Wolves completely changed Sheffield United, and and you see after the subs how kind of like how further forward how much spread how spread they are instead of always in a compact shell um so i i think i think that could be a thing and james mcatee kind of like playing the creator role in behind and archer running into space could start generating a little more offense um brighton do concede they've conceded in i don't think they have any clean sheets this season do they um uh, no, 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 I, I think they've got zero i think they're the only nope. team who haven't kept they a have, clean sheet all season. They have never kept I'm a clean sheet. I'm glad you bring this and, up to temper the expectations of the defense there. Because we're talking about yeah, buying yeah, yeah, exactly. defender, but maybe it's better that it benefits the attacker and maybe the defense is as sexy as the Stupinian is for a pick. But no no clean sheets. It's, yeah, no clean the clean sheets are not on the menu for, for Brighton, but Brighton also they, they haven't been shut out in a, any game either. They've scored in every single game. Yeah, they, every they, they single, definitely score. It's cool for fun. They have in eleven games, both teams have scored. So, yeah. so there, there, there will be goals. Um, don't expect Brighton clean sheets ever. But if you were to kind of have a little bit of hope, I guess this would be one of the fixtures in in which you do. Um, but even then, the next year still giving Sheffield the goal, right? So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of concerning, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, let's uh, go to the next matchup. Um, we'll keep going. I'm sure we'll answer some comments. There's just something Craig said, which we'll read up as well, which is quite nice for the podcast listeners who might miss it otherwise. He reckons that the issue with Matoma is if he's going to be maybe used too wide and they maybe rely on him as a 1v1 rather than using him narrow. So use a fullback from deep or an attacking number eight to make the runs into the left half space. 
So that that is a thought as well, because I was talking about if it's Dupinia's mm-hmm. back, maybe Matoma's the one cutting in centrally into the half space, but actually someone else could still be the one doing that and it might not still be him. So there is or, some concerns generally. Or or it could be a Supinyan himself. If he is back, it could be a Supinyan hitting the half space and taking defenders with him. But just uh, bringing is, that, that, that whole... I would love that to see whole interplay. <laughs> yeah, that that whole that whole interplay on the left hand side makes Brighton better, e- even though it gives Brighton maybe more options. And then one, like, uh, there's a chance where uh, Mitoma isn't that option because he's not the only option. The fact that there's a more like there's a greater number of options, I think, because right now just helps one Mitoma. option is bad. Yeah, like you you want at least some other players for the defense and the midfielders to be chasing. Yeah, just oh yeah, like let's all just sit on this guy like they've been doing with Saka, as we were saying. They all just right, sit on him, right. and he's like, okay, well I can't really try anything here. I can't really attempt much. Let me just pass <laughs> backwards. <laughs> yeah. So Liverpool versus Brentford, two point two five next year for Liverpool and 1.4 for Brentford. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on this one? Salah is my boss team captain. I have Simicast. I have some tactical questions about was Simicast bench potentially for kind of defending set pieces and Gomez maybe coming in to defend them, which then makes mm. you think, would Gomez come back in again now to defend set pieces versus Brentford maybe? Um, so that concerns me if Simicast plays the four minutes midweek. He obviously played four minutes the midweek before. And that was immediately a warning flag because, you know, the manager had said, I, he can't play every game. We thought he'd get rested in the midweek games. And instead, he played the full game midweek last week and then he missed the weekend. So I'm concerned that he will play again the full game tomorrow and then miss the weekend again tactically for Brentford. I hope not, but that, that's a concern I have. And I bought him last week. He didn't start. Is he not going to start again? You I know, the last two transfers I've made, they've so. both been benched. Gabriel, Same. I bought him, he didn't play. Simicas, I bought him, he didn't play. It, it's just, we, I, I don't even know. We made the same transfer. Yeah, it's fucking painful, it man. It, it sucks. <laughs> it bloody sucks. Jesus Christ. It oh, really man. does. It does. And and I can see the same thing. So, like, last week, Brentford against West Ham predicted a bunch of set pieces. Brentford went hard on the throw-ins. It's those, it's those damn throw-ins, man. And and having little, little <laughs> scrappy little Simicas um running around there is not going to help you on those bit on those thrones so I, I do think it's going to be gomez once again um thankfully it looks like estupinian's going to be healthy we'll see how he does tomorrow um but brentford are really interesting here is if you look at the the zonals for liverpool the left lights up at 4.1 the central is okay at 3.9 and the right is lower at 3.4 what i will say is um brentford have a makeshift kind of like team at the at the moment um and then i'm looking at my notes here um and this is uh, thanks to teachers insight so janelt ended up playing left back against um against west ham jensen moved to the left onyek is at center mid and wissa was on the left so on that left hand side they have janelt they have jensen and they have wissa or that's what that's what they had against um against west ham and i i think obviously brentford are going to be in their three five two uh, which which puts Mbomo up top, which you kind of like that. You kind of like this game for Mbomo. I think that's where uh, Brentford's goal could come from. Um, but this kind of like added they they this beef on the left hand side and and the fact that they're playing a midfielder at left back. I think I think I would go against the zonals and really I really like Salah and he he'll he'll, he'll likely be my captain as well um, because because Brentford's left side is just so makeshift right now. 
as we've said it all season, right, about that makeshift left side. And I think ultimately, I know Salah's kind of, he got the back-to-back braces, gifted some penalties. God knows what the hell was going on when he scored that goal in injury time the game week before just about getting himself some points. But it just kind of feels like with him, like even if the attack is being, you know, pulled through like the life of Darwin or even Diaz once he was back for the only goal last game, it just feels like at some point, like he is there, like he's got the penalties, as we say, he's got the full game, the 90 minutes plus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens, there will come a moment where he will get his chance to haul. He could look shit the entire game, but at home, at Anfield, against a side of a team that's completely makeshift, I, I just, yeah, it just feels like I'm almost like trying to punt too hard, like by going mm-hmm. for the likes of uh, Watkins or Saka. Yeah, something feels like even Gordon, for example, away from home. Like, yeah. it's just it's like, punty. It is. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And I think it's almost like we're just fed up and we're like, oh no, like we have to punt. We have to get someone else. And, you know, he blanked against Luton. What a terrible game. And yeah, it was a terrible game, but ultimately i just i back him like it sounds simple but when we get to captain metric yeah. it'll be funny to see if he's like not even on there or something but um you would hope so that with the next year in their favor he would be think let's go to the yeah. next matchup because we will talk about really quickly one one more thing on brentford um while, while i did say that i do like a, I, I like Mbumo and him going up against uh Simikas, i if if wiss is on the if wiss is the other forward and he moves to that left hand side Always, I mean, we've said it all season, right? Attack Liverpool's right. Um, so that left side of no defenders of Janel, Jensen, and Wissa could do damage to Liverpool. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. If you were looking to get in the market, by the way, because someone asked in the chat earlier, and a comb, I think it was, I think I've answered this now while we're here, because we've talked about Mitoma and Eze already. He, he asked, mm-hmm. like, what about, like, just go to Mubuemo now? Like, obviously, we know in game week 14, he has the really plumb fixture. Um, you know, seems like Brentford home to Luton. If you're going to want him then, I'm probably going to want him then. You know, like, is it that the likes of Mitoma with the uncertainties around tactics and then obviously Eze as well around minutes in return from injury and how, how sure he is to not have, like, a recurrence of whatever's gone wrong? Is there a world in which this is an entry point for Mobuemo? against that weaker Liverpool side? Or is it just like you kind of still take the punt for the fixtures for the other guys in Mitoma and Eze and then you reassess in two game weeks' time? I would probably take the punts, if I'm being honest, to Cone. That would be my answer. I would still go for the Mitoma or the Eze more likely than Mitoma. I think Mbwemo, he, he will come at some point, but I'm not going to get him just because of like, the panic because of those back-to-back hauls that he's had. Um Mm-hmm. I just feel like I'd wait for that Luton home fixture as the entry. I don't know if you disagree. No, I I agree. Um, I, I it depends on your your future planning and stuff, and and if you need that transfer, if if going for for Matoma now means you have to take a hit later, um, I think all of those things are things to factor. But given the information we have and in a vacuum, I would certainly go for Matoma this game week, and then Mbomo against uh against Luton and Luton's absolutely porous left-hand side. And that's like that fixture, like Mbomo captaincy. But we'll it see. It feels like a on captaincy, the captaincy option at a time, right? Yeah. The, the other thing I'll, I'll mention is one thing that could dampen everything for, for Brentford assets is look at Allison's goalkeeper metric at home, 0. 0.7. 
you know, let me let me bring up the. I'll tell you where that's coming from in just a second here. Um, where is it? Allison, Liverpool. He saved. I mean, there haven't been many big. They've only conceded three big chances at home this all season, which is incredible. And he saved all three of them. He's basically like kept some of those clean sheets they have, like single handed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Honestly, like he he is being fantastic. Um, Look, of so he's he's faced um, a post shot xG of three in five games, and he's prevented one. So he's prevented a third of the post shot xG that he's faced this season, which which is which is massive, and and that's why you see the goalkeeper metric um, so high there, and that and that could keep. Claire was asking. I'm going to take this one right now since we're kind of on that. Yeah, she says she has Salah, Soboslai, and Wissa. I'm probably benching Wissa again. I would. I, I can see that. It's obviously. Be too, I think I'd bench Soboslai. And uh, I'd play Wissa from a tactical point of view. Yeah, from a tactical point of view, exactly. I think Soboslai is going to get caught in that kind of heavy Brantford midfield five, uh, in in the, in the three five two. And and Soboslai is going to be like needed to kind of run the engine a little bit deeper um, than than normal. So I'd probably bench Soboslai and and attack Liverpool's right hand side with Wissa. Fair. That's I guess yeah. That, that seems like an interesting one. I know Claire's got a very strong team benching headache every week. Thank God my bench is the likes of Lamperty, Taylor, and Archer, who I will mm. always bench. West Ham versus Nottingham Forest. Um, I'm licking my lips as a Bowen owner for this one. I kind of feel like I'm owed some points. I'm looking for a big double-digit haul here. Am I naive? Because, you know, right now the net XG just says 1.63 for West Ham, but the podcast listeners are 1.18 for Forest. It doesn't seem like the best fixture, but I'm, like West Ham just feel like a strange team recently. Like, honestly speaking, I just don't know what to expect from them. Like, they look so good sometimes against tough teams. Now, when they play the teams you think they're going to beat, they look really fucked. I don't know it's, if it's just me who thinks that, but they look really bad at time. They look yeah. horrendous. They're going to yeah. concede in every game. I have Ariola. <laughs> the fixtures are good, but I don't expect no fucking clean sheets going forward. That is that bad. Yeah. And Bowen I have because I just think Bowen's great, but West Ham does not look great to me. And I know Kudus is an option who's been kind of arriving. He's finally got back-to-back starts. He could be quite a fun punt. The options are there, but like, you know, people went for Suchek, they got burnt, they're looking to sell him this week. People went for War Prowse, they're looking to sell him. Like, is it Bowen Kudus or no one? Because right now, the, the rest of the team doesn't look great despite the fixtures to me. I don't know if that's just a me thing. I, th- I think um, the FML FPL guys summed up West Ham perfectly when they, they described West Ham as they're a team that every time they watch, um, every time they get the ball, every time West Ham mm-hmm. has possession, it feels like they're losing one nil in the 90th minute. Or well, just when they've got the ball. <laughs> they, they, when time. they get the ball. They that's get the, the ball and like... <laughs> but that's the game state. They're always out panicking, yeah, yeah. right? Just yeah, they, they panic yeah. forward. They panic forward. <laughs> so that, I thought that was perfect. <laughs> hey, that, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Yeah, that one, that, that, can, that can be very exciting. Um, but it's also very unpredictable. But one thing that, that you do know from West Ham here is if we predict like one or two goals from West Ham, um, certainly two goals at home versus Forest wouldn't surprise anybody. And as a Bowen owner, you have to feel good about that. His involvement is so high. He's, he's such like a, 
the, the, the focal piece there from putting the ball in the back of the net that, that I think uh, Bowen owners are, don't say that five times fast. Bowen owners um, have, <laughs> they, 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 they have a good game week to look forward to from, from that perspective here. Now, even though Nottingham Forest, they, they won't roll over. They, you know, they have Taiwo back. So I do I expect, back, yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm with you. West Ham won't score. Uh, I mean, West Ham won't. West Ham will concede. They, they won't, won't get a clean sheet. sheet. Yeah, they just they won't. Keep yeah, I, just, I just do not see it. Taiwo is going to run straight through and bang that goal in, I'm telling you now. And if he doesn't, maybe fucking Morgan Gibbs-White will finally get me some points in my draft leagues because... He's been great, and he was player of the tournament and the under twenty one euros and all that. But yeah, like this season, like the actual output hasn't quite been there from a goal and assist point of view. It's a bit frustrating because he he is a great yeah. talent, and I'm sure there's more coming. Any thoughts on Ward Prowse? Obviously, I mentioned people are looking to move off him. There's been some talks about whether tactically he's playing a bit further back and stuff. Um, he's always got the set pieces in his locker, and that is one way where Sam will unlock teams. Is it that people are just getting excited by seeing someone like Diaby playing as a forward in a team that scores three to five game, three to five goals at every home game? And then they're looking at Will Prowse and they're like, I'm kind of waiting for like an assist from a set piece. How much does Will Prowse cost? Scared. He's obviously now not a straight swap to Diaby anymore with the price changes, but he must be like close to 6.5, maybe 6.3 million. I mean, Will Prowse... Ward Prowse to Matoma is the most obvious move ever, right? That's what I mean. Like, I would just be getting out. Like, I don't care if it's yeah. like Forest. Like, I would yeah, there, there are too many good there. assets at, at that price point. Um, so, okay, so you need 0.3 million in the bank, but if you can find that money, I'll be getting out of there despite the fixtures for Ward Prowse. Famous last I mean, Ward Prowse to Gordon. Ward Prowse to Gordon. Yeah. That is also an Ward, option. Yeah, that is also an option. Ward Prowse to if Gordon playing the nine is, is a no-brainer. But yeah. That's why I don't have Matoma, so, right? Because I've ended up recording to fund Bowen. So I could have had Ward Prowse and Diaby or Matoma, but instead I have Bowen and Gordon. So I'm just going to have to ride that out. Like I have no way to get Matoma in. I have no way to get these guys in. I just hope Bowen is doing enough to warrant the price over Ward Prowse. But yeah, I would be looking to move on despite the fixtures. Maybe not Forest at home, but there's Burnley away, Crystal Palace home, Tottenham away. There's it's tough to find an exact exit point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because Burnley away as well, that could be a nice one. But again, that's a nice one for Bowen or Kudus. I just, I'm not seeing enough of Ward Prowse. Like, every season at some point, someone wanted Ward Prowse because he was the consistent steady Eddie, right? I said, I said it like yeah. right at the beginning of the season and I got told like, no, he's not a steady Eddie. I find Ward Prowse actually does better in the games that are tougher on paper. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm imagining this, but I just feel that in the games where they're playing opponents you don't think West Ham are going to win against, that's where someone that will perhaps will get returns. And then in the games that are really easy, where you think it's going to be like, they're going to slap these teams up, I think that's mm-hmm. where Bowen and Kudus are going to make their money. So for me, yeah, I would, um, yeah, Kudus over Wolfpraps all day, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Let's go to Chelsea v Man City, the last game of the game week, and then we'll get to the captaincy metric and the Q&A after that, guys. So, this is a big one, right? It's the last game before the international break. Um, it's 1.54 net XG for Man City, 0.89 for Chelsea. Holland is back. He played yesterday, got subbed early after they were ahead. Alvarez also got rested. The City team, bar the kind of defence injuries, they look like they should have everything it takes to beat Chelsea. For my sake, I hope they don't. I really hope they fucking lose. 
and I don't think we have a single City fan who listens to us, so I don't think I'm offending anyone here. But yeah, I would love to see them lose, honestly, 100%. Like, I'm a Chelsea fan this weekend, I'm not going to deny it. But is there any hope for someone like me, a Chelsea fan, hoping at home that they're going <laughs> to use last week's energy to fucking go for it? Are they finally turning around? Mm. There's a lot of talent in that team. There's a lot of money spent. Poch is a tactical manager, but their, their, their numbers underlying have been very good this season, you know, but they just weren't getting the results. Could the kind of the, I guess, the complete implosion of Tottenham last week, could that lead to a revival in Chelsea? Could this be the spurt they needed? I mean, I, I think Chelsea are going to play anti-football. I think they're going to take the game out of the game. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> because, I mean, they, they don't put game in the game, do they? Like, they're, they're still, they're, they still play as individuals. They're, they're, there's no, like, attacking system. Um, so and, on, just, like, like, with that in mind, um, but, but, they are, but they are very organized, like, from a defensive perspective. Um, they have two. They have they have great center mids who can protect the back line. The, their their defenders for the most part this season have been playing well. They're they're only conceding about a little over one non penalty xg at home per game. Um, so I, so I think Chelsea will put will make it difficult for not difficult. I guess will make it um, complicated for Manchester United where where they may have to resort um, to patience basically to to break them down. But it, I don't see Chelsea coming back with anything um, from an attacking perspective. Even even like the return of Reese James, um, the the emergence of of, of there was um, a question about Reese James actually from one FTE. He just said Reese James is he an negative. option again? Negative. Nope. That's the answer. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. No, but but Cole Palmer, I think he absolutely is an option. I, I, he's been growing in importance with this team for the past month or so. The the penalties somehow, this is this is the year for Chelsea's pens, um, which you know I'm sure they're thankful for because otherwise they might be in a relegation battle. Um, sorry, Nick. yeah, we talked about Cole Palmer, <laughs> didn't we? We did talk about Cole Palmer, and I think we definitely are quite interested in him just as a talent. We talked about kind of his. I guess, limited Premier League appearances for City, but, you know, he scored in every competition he's ever debuted in on the first game and apart from the Prem, and now he's finally here. He got his Prem goal at Chelsea, not at City. He scored against Arsenal for Chelsea and City this season in the Community mm -hmm. Shield. Like, everything's been building towards, like, the beginning of the rise of Cole Palmer. Like, he's knocking on that door for a national team call-up and everything. Like, he's doing everything he could possibly do to just make a case for himself for next summer's tournament. So you, you would hope that if Nkunku is going to be back after the international break, that is huge news for Chelsea. For me, he was like the statement of their entire summer. He was the signing that was going to be the project. For me, the entire tactics of the attack relied on him as the versatile Swiss army knife that could do anything, anywhere, and be a talisman going forward. Mm -hmm. The impact that has on Cole Palmer and the rest of that team does it mean that if Cole Palmer stays where he is, that actually Nkunku goes up top and the likes of Jackson and Broho don't start? I don't know. what. Let us know what you think, Nick, in the chat. Obviously, you're probably closer to this stuff as a Chelsea fan, but I'd love to know like what happens to Nkunku. Where is he going to play? But I do feel that with his return, it can only be a good thing for Cole. And Cole doesn't just suddenly not start games because Nkunku's back. Like, there are way more players in the Chelsea team 
who should be dropped before him. Like he is carrying totally the burden agree. and the responsibility. And at that price point, it seems crazy that we were even debating Suchek versus fucking Cole Palmer a few weeks ago. It seems ludicrous if I'm being totally yeah. honest. It's just ludic- like genuinely ludicrous. Like Suchek, because he's playing a bit further forward, or Cole Palmer, the guy on penalties at a traditional bit. It's exactly <laughs> what we're saying about price points, right? Winger playing, well, like, you know, like, what the fuck? But any thoughts yep. on um, Haaland captaincy here? Is this something you would consider away from home with the early sub? He got the brace in the Champions League. He just can't stop scoring. I know we were upset with his <sighs> one point sub earlier in last game week, but sure, surely this is any week is a Haaland captaincy option week, surely. Uh, the the reason Holland's a captaincy option any game week is is only because of effective ownership. I think. And, I like and that. if I like that, okay, so it's only because we know that he's so high owned that even if it's sort of slightly okay, it's like, well, it's a risk to not go there. So it's just like we almost end up just well, following. Like, well, it protects you if you're wrong. In. Yeah, like we're shepherded <laughs> in there. Like we all got one point together. Great. That not that we didn't and, get hurt so bad. <laughs> And it, it ensures you're not like you, the points you get on your team will always be positive points, right? Yeah. Um, if you don't captain Holland, then the points you get for Holland will drop your rank. Well, they'll always you drop not, your rank. <laughs> yeah, you might not want that experience, right? Whereas, whereas even, even if the person you captain does well and it's bringing your rank back up every time Holland does something. So if, if you want the experience where all of your players getting points means you increase rank, then that's the reason to captain Holland. Um, and you know, th- there's FPL reasons to captain Holland from football reasons. I think, uh, there are other better options that, yeah, no, 100%. Um, just, just, um, there's a couple of lineup shouts in the chat as well from chat yeah. sport. McTominay starts Man United's best attacker this season, top Premier League goal scorer, Scotty boy, Garnacho at right wing. All right. I think for me, I'm just the Haaland owner. I know some people have Alvarez. Let us know in the chat what you're thinking to do. There's a lot of people actually considering to sell Alvarez this week. What are your thoughts on that? Will you still hold him? Like the fixtures in general, obviously, is Chelsea away. We said Liverpool home, Tottenham home. Villa away and Luton away seem okay. But the next three, at least, with two of them being at home. Is there an option there to go elsewhere? Like, Would you consider it? Would you move Alvarez on? Because I've seen a lot of no. people who have two free transfers that don't know what to do. The team looks great. And I almost feel like they're forcing it. Mm-hmm. And they're now moving him on because they don't know what else to sell. And it's Chelsea away. Let's sell him. And I'm actually, someone sent me a team with two free transfers. My first thought was roll. Then I was like, oh shit, you've got two free transfers. And I was like, could you make Taylor into, you know, could you make him into Balduk? 3.8 million. Then I was in that 3.8 million Balduk. Could you make yeah. Turner into 3.9 million goalkeeper? Do one of those two enroll. The team looks so good. I'm like, so I do worry that if the people who look at Sal Alvarez, I question if it's purely because he's just resting midweek as well, right? Is it purely because you have no other move to make and you might burn a transfer otherwise? Because if that was me, I would personally keep him in this fixture. And we said that we thought City were getting better. We were asked, is it time to go Haalandless after Bournemouth? Our view was that with the return of certain players to the team post injury, with the return of Rodri from suspension, that City were great and that we thought they were on the rise. Maybe the Stones injury changes our perspective a little bit, but overall, I still feel City are a team on the rise and I would not be looking to get out purely because of fixtures. So I would, if you if you have to burn or sell Alvarez, 
free up some money and some fodder position, in my opinion. Because that's the yeah, I can't imagine yeah. why you would sell him. Maybe I'm wrong. Let us know who you're selling him for. But like Eddie's injured. Like Hoyland's got Luton, but he ain't scored a goal in the Prem. Like who are you buying? Like Wilson's injured. Like who the fuck are you possibly buying? Like Ferguson's a risk. Like yeah, I get there's some sexy options, but absolutely none of them are gonna be as good as Alvarez in a City team who just got rested. Surely. Yeah, and, and and you know Alvarez has you know his production has dropped, and I think that's why people are thinking that they can sell him because he had his the outcomes have been less than they were at the beginning of the season. So, but but I agree with you. It's like I I feel like six point five million starting attacker for City. He's playing every single game. He's on he's on some set pieces, some direct free kicks. There's I don't see I see zero reason to move a player like that um with, with that kind of value. Um especially, especially if you've for, got him at the... 6.5, right? Because then you're yeah. losing the money. Because now he's seven mil plus, I think. So it's like if you got in a six point nine, seven million, that's interesting. But if you're there and you're gonna lose money, it's gonna cost you nearly 0.3, 0.4 million more to buy back. Because if he keeps banging, he ain't price dropping. He's gonna cost you even more than the gap between yep. your sell price and buy price. And I, I really think that there is nobody right now in the league who is close to competing with City for the title this year. Like, I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see Tottenham first again for the rest of the season at any point. I think that's over. Only could someone lose 4-1 and get two red cards for losing their head and the British media will come out and say, who were the real winners in the 4-1 loss? Was it Tottenham? That was the Athletics article headline. So many articles I've read this week and podcast titles say Tottenham were the winners of that game. Madison himself was rattled when John Terry was celebrating the 4-1 win. And he replied and said, calm down, John Terry. And he wrote on his Instagram, he was like, 11 v 11 for the first 15 minutes. What about that? And I was like, Madison, oh my God, you are where you belong. Fucking poor, <laughs> poor mentality. Shocking stuff, bro. Like to come out and tell me about the first, go make a fucking DVD about your first fucking 11 weeks at the top and 15 fucking minutes, 11 v 11 absolutely pathetic. I'm sorry. I had to get that rant out there. When I read that, I was in denial. I was like, this must be a fucking fake screenshot. But the shame, bro. You pretended to be injured to sub off, man. Just fuck me, bro. I'm sorry. To any Tottenham fans listening, I'm sorry, but that is fucking embarrassing. Anyway. You think that's what he did? I think he faked the fucking injury to sub off. Fucking really? embarrassing, wow. bro. After he realized <laughs> that they weren't looking good post 15 minutes, he wanted to make sure he could reply to all his friends in the media about but I was great for 15 minutes, bro, before the red cards. Anyway. Let's I mean, I, I think Madison's slide. great, but he is a bit of a fuckboy. <laughs> no, but I, I loved him until I saw that. Till I saw my guy saying, what about 11 v 11, 15 minutes in John Terry? And I'm like, John Terry don't give a shit. He's out there celebrating <laughs> the 4-1 victory. And he probably is embarrassed that you've even made this statement. I would be embarrassed if you were my fucking player and you were out there putting this shit on social media that that i'm sorry that is that is fucking embarrassing but yeah i think basically what the point of that was that city they're just the favorites man of every fucking league every year yep. it's boring now 115 charges financial dope their way to the top and no one's gonna beat them and i'm just gonna accept that sad fucking truth and let's not even talk about pgmol and uh, the refs that fly to Saudi <laughs> and the UAE and get paid between fucking Premier League fixtures so that they can ref games and be paid by the same people who own clubs in this league. Fucking semantics of it. All of them should get in the bin. 
And you know, by the way, all the media has been piling on Arteta, and I'll just get this in. They've been piling in on him, saying that he's wrong, right? Some leaks have just come out, and it's from the League Managers Association. They've revealed that Premier League bosses are demanding changes to VAR after Mikel Arteta and Arsenal spoke about the current poor and inconsistent standards. They're calling for two things. There's every fucking manager in the league. That VAR specialists should be considered a member of the close team of officials that become one unit for every game that they are officiating together. None of this, mm. oh, some dude in a room somewhere messaging his fucking missus and not responding to the VAR operator that like, guys, guys, he's ruled it off. Oh, no, it's on. Oh, no, I can't do anything. Oh, we can't stop the game. No, no, no. The guy's got to be part of that unit. And number two, they want them to review and simplify the interpretation of the term clear and obvious in VAR decision making because they believe this is the cause of most of the confusion at present. So like a referee will give a yellow instead of a red because he thinks VAR will look and tell him if it was a red. Then the VAR look at it and they say, well, the ref looked at it and because it's not clear and obvious, let's just give the pen, like the Wolves fucking penalty they conceded against Newcastle. They're like, well, there's contact. The ref didn't give the, you know, the ref gave a pen, so we can't overrule it. It's not clear and obvious. So basically, it's all a load of rubbish. And these referees, it's time there were some fucking standards and, you know, accountability and some repercussions. The last thing I will say is the guy who did not give the fucking goal for Liverpool versus Spurs got demoted, anti-Taylor, to the championship, made another massive howler of a fucking mistake in the penalty he gave, and now he's the one running this huge game, Chelsea versus Man City, this weekend. It's just, like, that That's is right. the... Oh, just a few doors down from where he lives as well, probably. Like, Or, sorry, no, I think he got given the Liverpool game, maybe, versus City in two weeks as well. So... Yeah, yeah, just demote the guy. He makes another mistake. Now he's back to take the best fixture of the weekend. But yeah, let's go to the captaincy metrics. <laughs> Game Week 12 summary is here. If you're on podcast, one hour 33, you can come and look at the top fixtures of the week. Aston Villa 2.52 is the best net XG of the week. Liverpool Brentford 2.25. Newcastle Bournemouth 2.06. Spurs Wolves 2.06. And Arsenal's just on 1.88. So those are the top fixtures on the NetXG this week. Come back to 1 hour 33. We're just going to rattle through these, right? So that we can um, get to the captaincy metric, guys. So that was, sorry, 1 hour 33. Let's make it a timestamp. This one is the Game Week 12 matchup summary for the FDR, the defense and attacking FDR, the zonals, and the matchups themselves for headed matchups, shots in the box. So please come back to the 1 hour 34 timestamp this time if you want to see the summary for this week. Other we can shout that, out just, just a couple of the ones here. that... Yeah, you go. Yeah, just, just, just a couple that, that stand out. We did mention the zonals. Uh, Brighton's left, 5.9. Manchester United's right. Irrelevant, because that's Anthony playing on that side, but it is at 6.0. Um, Manchester City left. Um, and let's... I guess United left. Um, but there are there is one Liverpool's left hand side compared to the right is is quite a big difference as well. And then just quickly a couple of the headed matchups, as we didn't really go over that. Um, the standout is Brighton against almost any team against Sheffield United will have a good headed matchup. Um, we got Manchester United against Luton at three point five, Arsenal at three point oh. So hopefully those us. Um, Poor souls that own Gabriel, and he's been benched here and there. We'll get a little headed, uh, headed goal this weekend, Nima. 
<laughs> There's the wine. Thanks for the thanks yeah, for that suggestion, uh, Don. That's exactly what was needed. I'm going full on Steve. I think you know what? I met Steve for the first time in my life this weekend, and I think I just feel inspired. Like I was like, you know what? I'm livid. Like these officials for years, they've been the bane of my life, and they are so fucking shit. They're so fucking shit. Anyway, yep. the next five matchup summary. So one hour thirty-five. If you're on podcast. This is a good one to look at if you're maybe on wildcard or looking to make some long-term investments. So in terms of who's best here. So interestingly, we have Liverpool 15.5 for attack as the best one over the next five. We have Brentford at 14.7, giving more weight to the should I just get Mwemo now and be done with it question. We then have 12 for Newcastle, 10.1 for Spurs, 9.1 for Villa. And Arsenal's only 5.3 for attack over the next five on FDR. Um, it's Mariner's yeah. FDR. He's he, he I'm telling you, against it's Arsenal. the same with the captaincy metric as well. Every data point that's put in is based on what will damage Arsenal so he can do his cackle and he will laugh. So I, I know him too well. I know him too well. Metrics can be biased too, right? Let's go to next five for involvement. So this is one hour 36 for the podcast listeners. So this is Watkins' top actually from an involvement point of view. He is top for the next five games. It's Watkins. Mubemo is second. Salah is third. Sun is fourth. Bowen is fifth. Solanke appears, as we mentioned. Yeah, so this might lead the way into kind of the captaincy discussion, but what are your thoughts on this? Because obviously some people were looking to sell Watkins. I saw people talking about moving Watkins so, on to like Eddie this week. Yeah, so we're looking at the next five and we can look at the far right column, the player expected involvement for the next five Watkins at 3.65 Mbomo at 3.61 Salah at 3.47 Son at 3.42 I think that's like a that's a tier right that's a top tier and you know a lot of those like that's the next five but they they'll pan out differently for different players so Mbomo it's like like starting game what is it game week 14 where it gets really good um yeah it's just not the holler FTV um so so, so I think this is interesting from like uh, players that that we're looking to bring in, but definitely don't bring these necessarily bring these players in right away. Check the fixtures and see like when it gets good for them. Yeah, everyone's saying it's all this like AFTV. <laughs> <laughs> Nima in the house. That's what's up. Breathe. <laughs> Breathe. Oh, um, this is incredible. So, stuff. so yeah, I, th I think everyone's eager to see the the captaincy metric Nima. I, I don't think we should torture people. Any yeah, longer. let's keep this going. So before we show the captaincy numbers, um, if you've enjoyed this show so far, please do hit that like button. Hit subscribe if you're new to the channel. I'm going to play the captaincy jingle, and then we're going to see who is number one. Well, the wine had a thing or two to say about the captaincy jingle. That was definitely the intro to the show. But um, so the game week two of captaincy metric, um, that is definitely what I was planning to do. Watkins is top. So for the podcast listeners, he's on 92. Sun is second on 88 versus Wolves. Salah in third on 87. Diaby up there on 84. Mobuemo's up here on 81. Matoma on 80. Fernandez on 80. Trippier on 79. Wilson... Obviously, there's the injury doubts, but he's there on 79 as well. And to round it off, we have Darwin on 76, I think. Madison, 75. Saka, 74. Haaland, 71. So Haaland, so I mean, the first call-out, so Haaland and Saka on 71 and 74. 
We mm. also have the fact that Mobamo is so high up against Liverpool. He's up there in fourth. Uh, Watkins is the runaway favourite. It's not, you know, like Watkins and Salah. Son's there, but with the context of the injuries and suspensions, I'm not even going to be keen on that. There is a caveat. So for anyone who's not watching and you're on podcast, the average minutes for Haaland on this are 21 based on the flagging. Marino was not able to because he's at a work conference to update the average minutes. But he did tell us that even if he does, does that, it doesn't actually take Haaland very high up. He kind of stays like mid-table, maybe near Fernandez and Matoma. So he doesn't quite make it up to the top there against Watkins, Son, Salah, Diaby and uh, Mwema. He's still kind of in the chasing pack, if you like. So yeah, mm-hmm. so that's probably the only reason I'd say Haaland's on 71. He'd probably be on 79 or 80 with the right minutes. What's your first takeaway there? Will you captain Watkins? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't even own Watkins. Oh, he's been one of the ones like Trippier who's been screwing you, I see, yeah. Yeah, yep. Um, so I, I would look at the one thing like this this week, the captaincy metric isn't factoring net XG, not sure why, but I think if it did, um, Salah would be higher. Um, okay. because Salah's, Salah's fixture is according to net XG is one, easy, right? easier than Sun's, so he'll he would still be below mm-hmm. Watkins, but I think Salah jumps over Sun if, if you factor in the, the net XG there. Um, but I think Watkins stays up top. On top of the metric, um, for for good reason, um, and you, you can see why. The, the only I'm I'm looking for like some. If you were to change some, I'm surprised Diaby is so high. But I guess with his recent, um, the his recent haul, he's only had one haul though, and that that kind of puts him up in the metric. I think maybe that one haul hauls are so rare, right? Like you don't you don't get hauls like uh, every game week or even every other game week. So if you have one haul in the last six. It, I feel like it really boosts you up the it metric. Maybe, maybe that's a little artificial. If like one haul in six is a maybe that's a that's variance, right? Um, so yeah, so yeah, I don't know. You saw last year when Odegaard had like two or three and six, he was just topping the metric every week. It was like every that week. one or two hauls. If in the last six, no one else has hauled more than you, you're going to be top regardless. Basically, it's just that it's like guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would probably weight the haul a little lower. A bit less. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, and and that would drop option obviously drop players like Mbumo and 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 Diaby um and keep more kind of um constant players or consistent players like Salah. Um so so yeah, that's this is an interesting one. Let, let us know in the chat where where you what you are thinking for this game week. There's Trippier coming in. The one thing about Trippier is Add in the expected, the XG against there, and it's 88th percentile. So it it does see a, a potential clean sheet for for Newcastle away to Bournemouth, and and that's what make kind of makes him an option here. Yeah, I think for me, I'm on Salah still. I'm probably going to stay on Salah. And Watkins, I'm not so sure about. If I see a lot from Arsenal tonight, Saka might come back into the thinking. But right mm-hmm. now, as it stands. I'm on Salah. I, I won't go near Son with the issues in the team there. And this still pisses me off about not earning Trippier, to be honest with you. But I guess it is what it is. What can you do? Let's go to the Q&A because we've got 10 minutes on kickoff. So we want to get out of here. And actually, I think people would appreciate yep. their questions being answered rather than any more um, random chat. So I have some of the questions. But before that, I just want to thank all the haulers. So thank you to our super haulers, David Harrison, Zach, Carver Boy, Daddy Bot, 
Green Mac Golf, FPL Robbie and FPL Discomfort, who upgraded last week. Our haulers, Dread FPL, FPL Craig, Podner, Kevin Rose, Sea Hunt, Only FPL, Oscar Arias, FPL Teacher, Blonde, Escott is M, Tom Gorsuch, Davinja Raj, Lindsay O, FPL DG Boy, Akshay, Dom, Claire FPL, Catherine A, William the Jaeger, Harry Not Kane, Neil, Sebastian Clue, Benjamin Lockwood, FPL Robert Ducky, Niels Apples, Nick Khan, Big Mike, Antonis, General Zod, Gladys Streets Preachers, Jack M, Jasper and Singh, Grady R, New Hauler, FPL Planner, Jamie Baker, Brett M, Mark Bond, FPL Eric and Terse Guest. Our six Patreons, Elron, Lucy and Gann, FPL California, Finger Mobile, Brom Frost and Mike Burke. Thank you all for all your support and all that you do. Quick mini league update for the Hall of Nothing mini league for our Discord members. The Game Week 11 top scorers, just quickly, we have uh, Craig Payne with Bowen Arrows. He has a Game Week score of 50, which is insane last week, considering some people struggled to get 10. Reese Jones with Gladys Streets Preachers on 49 in second. Akshay Akundi with Beasts from the East on 46. Jamie Baker with Destiny's Child on 43. And Blonde with Do Not Deserve with 40. So those were the top five last week. In terms of the top five in the mini league, Elrond covered with his triple captain. You and Elrond both actually activated it. RIP to you both. That is very unfortunate to get a halftime sub. That is just really painful in a game that ultimately was how you called it. Just the player you needed wasn't there to be the one to benefit. And it was Doku. So he is at the top on 709 points. We have Dominic Benjamin with Rising Phoenix in second on 690. Blonde is in third overall with 679. Joined with Gary Horwood, 679. Jonathan Cohen in fifth on 675. So that is the top five overall. And this week, we will keep going now to the Q&A. So I think just a quick plug for the free mini league, HUP69D. If you're not in the mini league and you want to compete with everyone, jump in, guys. But otherwise, I'm going to start reading the questions from the Discord and then take the ones I've starred in, uh, in the live stream, actually for the show. So the first question is from Finger Mobob on Discord. They have two free transfers, zero million in the bank. They're like, what do I even do here, right? So they're saying Maguire to Bramthwaite to get the long-term minutes or Alvarez to Solanke. So it's what we discussed earlier in the show. I would say go back to the City mm. timestamp. I would not be doing Alvarez to Solanke after the rest he got. For me, Maguire, Maguire to, to Bramthwaite. Well, yeah, to, to LaSalle's over Bramthwaite. But yeah. it just depends when you might use him. But overall, I would use one transfer and roll your other mate. So there's absolutely no reason to sell Alvarez, I don't think, personally, and not for Solanke. So Sebastian Ku's question, would you start Cole Palmer or Julian Alvarez this week? Hmm. Alvarez. I think I'd still go Alvarez with the rest. Um, yeah, away from home, I'd still go Alvarez, despite the penalties for Cole Palmer. Sebastian also asks, best budget defender? LaShells, Bramthwaite, Balduck, or Livramento? LaShells. Guaranteed starts for a while. Yeah, I think I'd probably go there. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Is Castagna worth considering? Fulham have Wolves, Forest, West Ham, three home fixtures. No, I won't go there. I'm mm -hmm. not even going to entertain that. Don Black Dragon asks, Ward Prowse replacement. Cole Palmer, roller free transfer. Gordon, roller free transfer. Or get DRB, but use two free transfers to get there because he's a bit more expensive than Gordon and Cole Palmer. He also doesn't own Watkins if that helps. So it's either use one free transfer to get Palmer or Gordon, or use two free transfers to get to DRB because he also doesn't have Bowen either. So Watkins either. I would Gordon. use yeah, Gordon. 
I'm just looking yep. at the next picks just for Newcastle after that. Chelsea home, United home. I guess they're both home at least. Yeah, I'm a Gordon owner, so it would be wrong of me to say to go DRB when I own Gordon. And I originally made that bed to go there first. I, I, I own them both. So you and, both. I would go, and I would go Gordon. Yeah. Okay, nice. So at least that's not just me biased because of the one I own. Uh, Bondos asks, and then we're on the YouTube questions. Bondos had two questions. Is Madison to Saka worth using a free transfer this week if you can feel the 11 anyway with Madison's injury? Um, at the moment, if Madison doesn't play, Cunha will come in against Spurs. Yep. Use, use it. Use Madison the transfer. Saka. Madison to Saka. I would probably do that too. With burnout, well, I did Madison to Saka a couple of weeks ago, right? So, like, like, I did it then. And I would definitely be doing it by now. It was like game week 10 or game week 12, I was always going to make that move. So that's that's yeah. all I can advise. Um, with burnout, do we move to another Newcastle defender or look elsewhere? LaSalle's. LaSalle's. Cool. So that's all the YouTube questions for today. Let's go to the live questions from the show. And we're going to do these quick fire because we have four minutes till the matches kick off. K7 asks, what do we do with Spurs assets? I would sell the defenders, keep Sun, and wait to see more about Madison. Um, if Madison's your only way to Saka, I would still do it. But we'll go quick fire. I think Spurs are going to be more attacking with the injuries. That's just the thought I put out there. Mm. We also have K7. Yes or no? Poro and Son to Saka and Trippier. Minus four, though. If you told me that was no. free, I would be there all day, every day. Minus four, I wouldn't do it. No, I agree. I don't like selling Son for a minus four. And Trippier Bournemouth is great, but get Lachelle's for three million cheaper if you want that defence. Blackstreet asks, what about Burnley? Because we talked about Arsenal maybe using this fixture as a chance to win 5-0. I think for me, it all comes down to Lyle Foster. If Lyle Foster isn't fit, I think they have absolutely no hope of getting a goal. One yeah, they're, they're awful without Lyle Foster. They're awful, right? One FTE, Pedro, I'm guessing that's Jao Pedro, or Douglas Louise. I, if there's any inkling Jao Pedro starts Sheffield home, I'm playing him over the fucking CDM just because he has like penalties. I'm like, yeah, I agree. Wait for Brian's minutes tomorrow, but like, no chance in a million. Like, I can't. I just can't. I see that as a two, three, four nil for Brian. Villa, Forest home. I think Brighton's game is better for me personally. Hmm. Is Aston Villa keeping a clean sheet this game versus Fulham? We don't think so. We'll just answer with Craig's response. I wouldn't rely on Villa keeping a clean sheet versus anyone. Anyone. <laughs> I'm not sure Fulham even have the pace and attack to really expose us. So, and I think Colm himself said that, like, yeah, it's a it's an aging team. Um, would you start Archer or Palmer this week from Nick Khan? Palmer. Archer is away at Brighton. I would start Palmer. Um, Colm Bugler, what does he say? No, so that was just a comment. FPL Eric. I thought this was worth you answering, obviously, for the podcast listeners. He says, Gabriel, you have great insight of the game. You see players that will come good, but you don't pick those players in your own team. Why? So I, I, I'm struggling how to answer this because I, I don't really know. I just I just think like my my problem, I think, with FPL and why I struggle with it is because I'm I, I, I go through all of the games, right? And I identify like all of these players and I, I could see like this player is gonna be good, this player is good. Um, and then I end up playing like the FPL game and kind of the, those rules of like which players are good kind of get lost in the FPL rules. Well, this player is more mm. highly owned or or this player has good fixtures now. You can move to the other end and those types of narratives. 
But honestly, I look at my team and I never have actually this season have I looked at my team and said, this feels like a bad team. I, I feel like it feels like a good team. Um, so it's but, like there's players you are calling that will come good, but it's what we said. Unless you have players on your out list, you're not looking to just sell them because there's someone who you think will come good. There has to be someone you think needs to go. So if there's no one who you think looks bad, then like you don't have a reason to sell, right? But it's it's a fair question. Like for example, why didn't like I I was gonna triple captain Holland in game week four against Fulham? You were so close. You were so you were. And I didn't. You, you, you had it active. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I took it out. Like so so that I do make decisions like that that work against me and work against my analysis. So, so I think it's a fair points, question. Right? Twenty. Yeah, points, that was that was instead of captain. instead of getting sixty, I got three from my triple captain. It's a fifty-seven point swing. Shit. Those two decisions. So well, I, I so I think, yeah, and, and I and I think Eric brings up a good point. There are some lessons I can learn from that. Like maybe have more confidence, back myself, back those decisions more. Don't double double like think again at the last minute. It was like last minute thing. I'm I'm second guessing it. I'm going over the reasons, and I took it off. Well, maybe once I've said I don't know. I think there are some lessons to be learned, and I think it's a. I appreciate the the question. I'll be looking at that. Yeah, that's a great question, Eric. Um, and then the last two questions before we go, because it is 8 o'clock. The games are kicking off. K7, quick one. If you have a Dingra, should you get Matoma? I think if you've already gone a Dingra, I would not be going for both. That's just my opinion. But a- any difference for you? Would you go double Brighton? No, no, no probably not. It depends who you're selling. If you're selling James Ward-Prowse, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> Hassan asks, is Eddie Nketiah injured? He isn't on the bench. Yeah, so yeah, he, he wasn't in training. Maybe he'll be back for the weekend, but it's one to keep an eye out on. I think I mentioned earlier in the show that Jesus was called up by Brazil. Sounds like he'll be back by game with 13. I, I wouldn't be going Eddie now. If you already have him, keep an eye out. Hopefully he will start this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Hassan's last question, which was about the ranks. Obviously, we mentioned Gabriel hadn't looked at his overall rank all season, and he was going to look at it after game week 10. The poll, we did a poll. He's not looked. We're now getting, obviously, to game week 12. I don't think he's in the look yet. And so I don't really want to give away where I am that might then tell him where he is. I'm just doing shit. I'm seven digits. Like, I've been keeping afloat since I wildcarded. I've had some better weeks since game week eight. But I'm there. Like, I'm barely touching six-digit rank. Um, it's my worst rank at this point in the season, I'd say, in nine seasons in a row. This is by far the worst. Like, last year was my worst finish in eight years. Mm-hmm. And I was significantly higher ranked than I am now. So this season has been a total shit. And if you look at stuff like the Elite 1000 from FPL Review, the median rank, this week it finally went up to about 700k. If you look at the last three, four seasons, this is the lowest median rank this far into the season the Elite 1000 on FPL Review have ever been ranked. Same with the Elite 64 from the Generals League. Like It's just a total shit show. Mm-hmm. The game has got harder and we've gotten worse. But hopefully I can recover it because it's a marathon and not a sprint and you need to avoid going on tilt. Final question from Clint and then we're out of here. Tough decision. Burn to Lachelle's to free up the funds to go Madison to Saka. Tempted by Gordon and Mitoma instead of Saka. Getting both Mitoma and Gordon if you don't plan on captaining Saka any of the future weeks, that's very exciting for me. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say, Clint. Equally, I did Mado to Saka two weeks ago. I already had Gordon, and now I'm just going to have to skip Matoma because I've got Bowen in that slot. So it's a tough one there. Unless you're looking to 
Captain Saka, I think Gordon and Mitoma sounds very good to me. I, I, I find that exciting. Equally, both teams have injuries and the players might be tired. They're playing twice a week. They weren't necessarily doing that before. So there's that narrative as well. It's like, it's a tough one for me. I, I would still be tempted by Gordon and Matoma. What about you, Gay? Would you go Saka for Maddo instead and get the money from the shells from Burns? It depends who the who that second midfielder is that you're selling. You're selling selling Madison and someone else for Gordon, Gordon and Matoma. And then are you still left with Burn? What what does your defense look like? That's uh, a good is, point. Is yeah, like, does Burn okay? stay? I, I reckon yeah. Burn goes either way. Um, Clint says so they have Diaby already as well, I guess, because they're saying Diaby to Mobuemo loading in. 13 or 14, the RB so unpredictable. So I'm looking yeah. to find a way to Mobuemo. It would probably be Bowen, but doesn't feel good because it's Crystal Palace home. And I don't know if I really want to sell him before that, but maybe by then Crystal Palace look a bit better and maybe by then Mobuemo looks like unavoidable for Luton home, mm-hmm. right? Like, holy mm-hmm. shit. That's a captaincy fixture right there. <laughs> I would say to claim, like, fix, fix your, your weakest link. Yep. Um, and 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 don't force don't force like if if Saka is forcing it don't force Saka I, I think Matoma is a uh, and Mbomo they're perfectly good alternatives for less money. Yep, hundred percent agree. All right, let's get out of here. We'll go watch the matches. Thank you all. May your arrows be green in game week twelve. Enjoy the international break. Take some rest. Make sure you get charged up for game week thirteen. The next international break isn't till March, so we've got to got seven FPL deadlines in December. So really, um, you know, this is the last November deadline before the break. There's one more November deadline and then bang, seven deadlines in December. So get ready. It's and then only, and then only two in January. Yeah. Then there's like cup game weekends, winter yeah. break, or AFCON, yeah. all kinds of shit going on. So December is yeah, full fun. throttle. It's a chance to make up significant ground in your mini league. So good luck, everybody. Thank you so much for your support. We will see you soon. Enjoy the international break in the meantime. And uh, I'll get us out of here. Cheers and good luck. May your arrows be green. Peace. Peace.